What's up ladies and gentlemen, it's Mr. C from The C Report, and I'm stopping in for just a sec to encourage you guys to head over to thecreport.com. At thecreport.com you can get more information on The C Report, check out episode resources, follow our blog and get new articles every week, join our mailing list, and stay abreast on the latest news and information. That's right, head on over to thecreport.com, that's www.thecreport.com, and be sure to follow us on our social medias, Truth Social, Rumble, Twitch, Clout Hub, and Pilt.net. Good evening, America. Good evening, America. Good evening, the world. And uh, welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of The Sea Report. We are coming to you guys live on this, the final day of November. Can you believe it, guys? We only have one month left to finish up the year, guys. 2022 in the bag. Regardless of whether or not there were many holes in that bag, well, I guess that's a matter for another time to discuss. But either way, guys, uh, we are here and we are live. It's great to be back. Uh, for those of you who are audience members, uh, repeat offenders, sometimes called in certain circles of uh, the C-Report show, Mr. CTV. Um, <clears throat> uh, if you're an audience member over at Rumble or Twitch, uh, we were not on the air yesterday. You might have noticed. And again, I do apologize. And uh, I'm working to get uh, that episode. Uh, yesterday was a pretty epic episode, too. You know, to not be able to uh, broadcast on uh, all the uh, channels that we typically do. But um, I'm working to get that channel at least uploaded to most of those sites uh, so that uh, the um, dedicated subscribers of those specific uh, sites, apps, platforms may uh, retain that episode. Uh, but as soon as I can get that up, I will get that up, ladies and gentlemen. And again, it's great to be back on the air with you all. Uh, so we were actually exclusively over at pill.net and the foxhole app yesterday they're like sister sites and uh because of my streaming service and some you know uh some uh how would you say administrative <laughs> some administrative fouls uh, uh yesterday we were a little off of our track however tonight we're back on it and uh yeah it should be a fun one i'll get uh i'll get uh, episode 420 was it 425 or 424 I don't know. We'll, we'll get it up as soon as we can. Ladies and gentlemen, as soon as we can. Uh, like I was saying, uh, yesterday's episode, um, I, I would advise, hey, go back and check it out um, if you can. Uh, well, at the moment, you could only do so at like at pill.net uh, over at our Mr. C channel um, on the pill.net and the foxhole.app platform. So that should be fun. But yeah, yesterday we were there exclusively live streaming. And I thought, huh. Are we going to have to do this? I mean, dedicate live streaming only to pill.net and the foxhole.app. It was kind of looking like that for a moment. 
Um, but I don't think we are. So everyone can move their shows back to their normal time slots. We won't be uh, exclusively live streaming on Pilled and Foxhole. Uh, but, um, well, we'll always be engaging, won't we? Miss Skeeter Burke, Miss D Patriot 1776. Good to see you guys hanging out this afternoon. Good evening. Good evening. Hope y'all are doing well in your neck of the woods. Even though Skeeter Burke's neck of the woods is not too far from my neck of the woods, but D Patriot, boy, your neck of the woods, clear across the country. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen. Okay, so uh, yeah, you might have noticed we also still have the uh, Arizona flag um, uh, flying behind me. Uh, so uh, we won't have an Arizona focus today, although I was just engaged in a very, very riveting conversation um, about uh, what's going on in Arizona. And I was not a participant, but I was very much engaged in the conversation. Um, you know, yesterday um, we did, like I said, uh, the close up on the um, Maricopa County sham certification of their 2022 midterm elections uh, and uh, broadcasted the uh, public commentary portion of it. Um, very, very strong, very powerful. Indeed, uh, the amount of information, data, the experiences relayed, uh, the insights that were uh, garnered uh, um, through uh, these election workers, uh, it didn't matter really. Because, you know, I mean, obviously there's a sense in the room that everyone there was an election denier, right? Which makes no sense. But, um, you know, we had independents in the room and I would not doubt that we had some brave but embarrassed Democrats or progressives. I don't know, you know. Uh, but, um, yeah, and, and obviously a lot of the America first, save America, make America great again um constituents out there as well you guys are having a blast with your stickers over there at the <laughs> oh yeah okay that's an awesome one uh, with the yeah aurelius lock what's going on aurelius lock uh, that is an awesome 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 one casual gg17 good to see you sergeant sparky what's up bro i haven't seen you in a minute dude hey i like your stickers i, I actually retained a lot of those for the site uh for the the channel so yeah, well, I, there's a lot of great, uh, a lot, a lot of a, uh, a lot of the um, great pilled community have so much fun with uh, the stickers. I was like, oh, there's so many good ones. Anyhow, getting back on track here, guys. Getting back on track. What track was I on? Jeez, I already forgot. <laughs> elections, right? We're talking about elections. We're talking about Arizona. Okay. <clears throat> um, so you know, as far as yesterday, we did the public uh, commentary. We wrapped that up. And I promised you guys that we were going to talk about another um, story uh, that is still, in my opinion, it's still very related to everything elections, you know, and, and it's even more deftly closely related to uh, uh, the 2020 elections. And now we need to we need not forget that uh, just because we've uh, passed the benchmark of 2022, that does not mean that we forget about 2020. I mean, that is exactly what uh, it seems that uh, establishment type characters, uh, you know, the duplicitous uh, officials out there would prefer that we do. You know, uh, it's like uh, I saw this article that had just come out uh, that was criticizing, uh, and I think rightfully so, uh, Romney McDaniels of the RNC, uh, chairwoman, right? Uh, currently being challenged by Mike Lindell. You know, that's an interesting one right there, guys. I'd say that's one to watch. But, you know, uh, 
in addition to what uh, threatening President Trump uh, with withholding uh, funds and withholding um, assistance on uh, the election lawsuits from the RNC, I mean, they're threatening him. If you run for president in 2024, Trump, we will not pay for your lawsuits. I'm like, do you think that this man really cares whether or not you pay for his lawsuits? I mean, you are telling the world and President Trump exactly who you are. You know, uh, your intentions speak clearly through your actions, which make no sense, logically speaking. I mean, if you really do stand for election integrity, election uh, security, confidence in our elections, uh, the, the oath to the Constitution that you take and the American way of life. I mean, this should be no problem. You know, it should be no problem to want to fix, secure, review, inspect, audit our sacred right to vote. Yep. Rona Romney. Oh yeah. Yeah. Rona Rhino Romney McDaniels. Yep. You know, I don't, I don't think that I ever played this for Rona McDaniels. Uh, that was, that was a miss. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, it's rhino hunting season. Oh, you know, um, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah. <laughs> you guys pull out the new rhino hunting season stickers if you guys can find them. I don't know. I thought I had them there already, but uh, oh, man, maybe not. Cool, cool. So, uh, yeah, I don't think I ever played that for Romney McDaniels. Uh, so uh, that was uh, a little too late. And a dollar too short, just like her uh, filing election complaints and uh, talking about the 2020 election. I mean, like, really, where were you the last two years, Romney McDaniels? I might ask the same thing of Candace Owens, right? You know, you would think with people who have such big platforms that they would really focus on issues that would drive real change, real substantive change instead of just, you know, lollygagging around on periphery issues and and, you know, other issues that really don't move anything in the long run at least that's my opinion guys uh but anyhow y'all anyhow yeah romney mcdonald so you know again they show us who they are they tell us who they are if we're looking you know again actions always louder than words follow the actions ladies and gentlemen that's how i uh parse through <laughs> some of this uh information that i get uh you know from all 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 streams, right? And I, don't, I don't mean live streams. I mean like all all currents of information. You know, whether it's global, local, you know, national, print, internet, etc., whatever. You know, actions versus words usually helps clarify. You know, and uh, it's a great tool to utilize if your discernment is still being honed, ladies and gentlemen. I gotta say, but anyhow, so. Yeah, rhinos. Rhinos, Romney, Rona, McDaniels. Now we've left there, ladies and gentlemen. So <clears throat> when we're talking about the benchmark of 2022, and uh, here we stand, still disenfranchised, still with our nation heading in a direction that it should never have uh, barreled towards, right? I mean, <laughs> we're, we're well beyond the threshold of like uh, socialism, Marxism, 
type things. Yeah, I mean, we, we, I mean, didn't President Trump say that? Like, we basically just went straight to communism, right? I'm pretty sure he said that in a truth recently. And uh, isn't it, isn't it weird, guys? Like, I remember growing up that when I would say things like communist, it just sounds so weird to me. You know, like, uh, it was so not passe, and and not uh, what would what would the other. Uh, phrase for that be it wasn't passe it wasn't uh, obsolete it was just so foreign it was like if you were to say uh, damn dirty communist or you know don't be a communist it just sound like you know you know when someone who doesn't typically like curse or use foul language or cuss right uh, for whatever reason it doesn't matter say it's just not part of their vocabulary and then they start to use those languages or you know maybe when you were growing up right and you started using curse words and it just sounds so weird at first saying it right because you knew it was forbidden you knew you couldn't do it um but but then you know it was like well you could tell <laughs> they just sound so awkward talking like that you know <clears throat> so anyhow guys uh in regards to our elections and stuff like that and you know we've said i've said the same thing about uh discerning or being able to tell these rhinos, for example, you know, um, that that comes with more discernment that comes with more, I guess, what you would call kind of like a people skill, you know, uh, being able to read and sense things. And yeah, those are all the other extra extra types of uh, skills that we can have if we actually own them, use them, exercise them and that kind of a thing. Uh, but yeah, President Trump did say that communists, you know, and, and that's basically where we are. We're beyond that threshold. It sounds dramatic, but it doesn't sound so foreign anymore. It doesn't sound weird. It doesn't sound awkward coming out of my mouth or anyone's mouth these days. You know, it's it's almost as if, though, they put a, a ban on the word. It was a subconscious ban on the word communism in the derogatory or pejorative between the years of 1975 and 1995 or something like that. I don't know. I'm just coming up with this stuff out of my head, guys. But um, yeah, let me tell you what, guys, that is basically where we could stay. Uh, if not for the American electorate, the people, the citizens to uh, get up, stand up. Mm -hmm. Yep. Quoting those, uh, quoting those lyrics, ladies and gentlemen, get up, stand up, fight for your rights. But uh we have to, uh, well, I say we have to, but I, I would I would assume, well, no, I don't want to assume. I would assess, you know, that uh, we should probably still take um, appropriate paths there. Okay, and I'll reiterate, guys, we are, as everyone in this audience knows, and if you're new to this audience or new to this type of a show, welcome for one. But the United States of America is a constitutional republic, okay? That means... We honor, we abide by, we respect, we follow the rule of law. Okay, right. So we have to take the appropriate corridors in order to remain what? With integrity for the very type of nation that we live in. Okay, so that's why we can't cut corners. That's why we have to file lawsuits. That's why we can't just throw everybody knows, right? Especially Sheila Jackson Lee, right? When she was talking about Michael Jackson, because here in America, everybody knows that you are innocent until proven guilty. Oh, look at my little one of the foxhole fam. W.C. Cranop gave me this when I met him in uh, Las Vegas. It's a little. Uh, uh, it's for it's for the diggers, ladies and gentlemen. 
Anyways, let me put that up there. I usually keep it right on top there next to my Lion of Judah. Anyways, okay, so uh, where were we, guys? Where were we? Well, we were going somewhere, that is for sure, ladies and gentlemen. We are going somewhere, that's for sure. And don't worry, guys, you know I always tie up all the loose strings and I close off the circles <laughs> uh, before we get along too far. Uh, before we get along too far. Um, I think that's all that I had to say is per our open. Um, the flag of Arizona is still flying behind us because we we must draw attention. Okay, this is one of those points, ladies and gentlemen. It's one of those pressure points. I think, in my opinion, based on what I've seen the last two years in regards to public action and I guess in respect to selected officials, misgivings, misdoings, misbehavior, <clears throat> uh, mismanagement of uh, public officials' office. Uh, that's kind of when we start to see the people really come out. You know, when we're talking about like 2020 versus 2022, I get it. It's midterm. It's not a presidential election. Uh, but the um, the clamor that is uh, boiling up around Maricopa County right now, you know, um, uh, it's going to turn into a powder keg eventually. You know, it's going to turn into a powder keg eventually. I think the more people talk about things and the more we keep this top of mind while infusing you know other uh, other actions and directives that can help us advance progress and move forward um you know it, it will start to i think register in the minds of americans even at a subconscious level if you think about all of the experiences that we have been going through collectively since 2016, right? 2015, 2016. And then the experience that we all went through in 2020 that was so blatant and so uh, rude and in your face that even if you were on the other side of the aisle, meaning you were the electioneer who was uh, disenfranchising other voters and you were the election official who got paid a little bit more because a CTCL gave your county some cash and they said, hey, we'll give you an extra bump if you uh, go along with this. Pull these, pull these bags of ballots out from underneath the table after everyone leaves at midnight, right? That kind of a thing, you know? Even the people on that side of the aisle, even the people who were working with uh, Joe Biden's most diverse and inclusive election fraud team, they know it was a fraud. I'm just saying, you know, I'm just saying they know it was a fraud. OK, uh, and I think, again, the biggest difference here is presidential election versus midterm election. but. Thankfully, thankfully, you know, I mean, it, Carrie Lake is almost kind of like a proxy Trump in the midterms. You guys get that, right? Like she had the following. She had the support. She had the drive. She had the fire. She had the moxie. She had everything I think that Trump had, except for maybe all of his businesses and fortunes and, and you know, family. I mean, they each have their own wonderful families, you know, but like, she, in my opinion, is like the mama bear to President Trump being the papa bear. And they're attacking our parental bears. Uh, how do you say that? They're attacking our mama and papa bear, ladies and gentlemen. And, uh, and they're trying to insult us and they're trying to demoralize us while they do it. It's like, leave my mama and daddy alone. Anyways. <laughs> Anyways, guys. Um, 
it's it's gonna it's gonna get to a point i'm pretty sure guys it's gonna get to a point um so we'll keep flying the flag of arizona for the time being okay uh but today we are going to talk about that 2020 election lawsuit that like i said this yesterday i was like at three hours at three hours after uh we finished uh airing the um the grievances of the people of arizona i said we'll talk about this story tomorrow but it'll probably be all over the place by tomorrow i pretty much was well i mean at least in searches i mean i didn't search too deeply but um yeah so this is a this is a a case as we talked about yesterday regarding the 2020 elections again uh, full impetus and full support for exposing and moving all of those cases forward should still all be on okay in other words just because 2022 happened doesn't mean that we should just put aside anything that we were working on on 2020 um because uh that is also going to compound the evidence. I mean, think about it. We had the we had the discoveries of patterns in 2020, okay? We have the patterns in action and documented in 2022. There's this huge big picture, you know, that I think some of us are missing just because of the sheer emotion and the sheer disappointment that some of us faced. Uh, and I, I really do have to fall back on to, I mean, between November 8th and now, I can't tell you how many people that I respect and admire, you know, they have said, ladies and gentlemen, we knew this would not be easy. So why are we crying? We knew that they were going to attempt to steal that election. So when they did, why did we tuck our tails between our legs? You know, what's wrong with us? You know? Um, I don't know. Maybe it's something about the programming. Maybe it's something about the brainwashing. I don't, you know, uh, you know what it is, is it's, it's, it is the mainstream media apparatus. It is the fake news apparatus. I mean, as long as that thing exists, it will always be an uphill battle, even when the odds are in our favor, ladies and gentlemen, because you will always have that percentage of humanity that does not function on any other thing but automatic do what you say and do what the TV says. Because that is by design, you know, that is by design. That's why I can't get too angry at these people who are asleep, because even though some of them are willfully ignorant, and even though some of them are willfully defiant of truth, common sense, logic, etc., some of them aren't, you know, and some of them just, I mean, you, you could take the stance of, oh, well, you know, you're asleep and you're never going to wake up. So, ha, your fault, well, if you want to. I don't know. It's it's y'all's decision. I think that's relative. We're not here to have a moral discussion about personal judgments, ladies and gentlemen, but we are here to have a discussion about election integrity and um, exposing election fraud is what we do here at the C Report, at least when I can. So uh, let's go ahead and dip into today's episode, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, let's see here. Thanks again for hanging out, guys. And uh, if you're joining us at Rumble, Twitch, Clout Hub, uh, thanks for being in the audience. If you're catching that replay, thanks for checking it out. Please make sure you uh, thumbs up, rumble, like, subscribe, red pill, ladies and gentlemen. Okay.
Oh, oh, I forgot to put up Great State 48. My bad. I'm just happy to have uh, control over the screen again. Okay, yesterday it was just insanity for, uh, you know, something you're used to doing. <laughs> Okay, so uh, President Trump truths. Let's see. We only have a few today. Yeah, I thought I saved some from yesterday for today, but apparently I didn't. Apparently I did not. But we do still have some uh, President Trump truths. I think they're all related to the elections, incidentally. So very appropriate for this evening. Very appropriate for this show. Uh, in this first truth, uh, President Trump says, and we'll start with the retruthed one. Remember, you can never have fair and free elections with mail-in ballots. Never, never, never. Won't and can't happen. And uh, today he came with a fourth reiteration. Never. Gotta get rid of those machines. Gotta get rid of them, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, next statement from President Trump. The election, this election cycle reminds me so much of 2016, much more so than 2020, where I actually did much better. Got 12 million more votes. Fox News and The Wall Journal were terrible to me, much like today, until I won the election. CNN, when they actually had great ratings, was terrific. They covered me no matter where I went, 24-7. The big difference is my record. Best economy and border. No inflation or wars. Energy independence. Record jobs. Strong military. Worldwide respect. And so much more. There is a stark contrast indeed, ladies and gentlemen, but uh, you did not need to hear me say that. Okay, uh, so uh, here we go. Um, I think this is our final statement from President Trump for tonight. It is. Okay, uh, so actually yesterday we kind of touched on this one and I wanted to go back and revisit it. Um, because in, in addition to uh, the statement that President Trump made uh, here, President Trump says, our poor elections have taken a beating. America is no longer looked at as the home of free and fair elections, but rather as a country of corrupt politics and politicians. I think they call them autocratic dictators in other nations, right? They're not democratic. They just use that as their cover. But I wanted to share this one because um, uh, President Trump, I guess he was uh, retruthing an article. And in case you missed it moment, if you will, uh, that came from The Federalist. And I did miss it. So I was like, OK, let's uh, let's use this as a springboard to get into the rest of tonight's show. How about that? Right. So um, this one, we're talking about an article from The Federalist that is, um, they're discussing uh, the Georgia runoffs, which are occurring, I think it's on December 5th, if I'm not mistaken. Let me take a look at my calendar real quick. Uh, maybe it's the 6th? Hmm. I think it's the 5th or the 6th. 
Anyone know when Georgia has the runoff elections? Or am I thinking of Jan? I think I'm, maybe I'm thinking of the 2021 runoff or 2020 runoff. Anyways, uh, well, you know, I'm pretty sure this article um, examines that. But uh, very interesting, though, because, you know, like where um, our friends over at Voter GA have diligently been um, tracking and recording, documenting and uh, litigating on their findings and discovery when they investigate or when they audit county or state or local elections in Georgia. Um, I hadn't heard this one yet, I think. So I wanted to highlight that also, uh, that the Federalist had um, published a story uh, wherein basically what we're seeing is that uh, according to their data, <laughs> there was a whole bunch of illegal voters in the uh, 2022 midterms. And so they're speculating that these same illegal voters, and I'm pretty sure in the same amounts, if not bigger will also botch the uh the runoffs that are occurring in a few days so uh let's take a look at the article i thought it was really interesting uh so uh this is again from the federalist ladies and gentlemen and uh the title of the article how will anyone trust the georgia runoff results when there's enough illegal voting to tip the scales that's a pretty strong headline, ladies and gentlemen. Those are the kind of headlines that, uh, you know, the establishment types don't want to read. They're not acknowledging the illegal votes. They were never supposed to see those uh, those fixed scales, as it were. Uh, let's see here. We're going to start right about here. Uh, so it says here, in a complaint filed earlier this month with the Georgia State Board of Elections, Mark Davis, an expert in voter data analytics and residency issues, alerted the state to data indicating that in both November 2020 and November 2022, thousands of Georgians may have voted illegally by moving, but then rather than re-registering to vote as required by the state's election code, casting ballots in the county in which they no longer resided. Davis's complaint noted that due to space constraints, he was providing his supporting data in a detailed letter to State Board of Elections member Ed Lindsay. That letter, obtained exclusively by the Federalist, highlighted the relevant portions of the Georgia Election Code and specifically OCGA 21-2-216A4 which provides that no person shall vote in any primary or election held in this state unless such person, person shall be a resident of this state and of the county or municipality in which he or she seeks to vote. The election code further provides that if a voter changes his residence from one Georgia county to another county more than 30 days before the election, the person has lost his eligibility to vote in the county of his or her old residence. To vote, then, the individual must register to vote in his or her new county of residence. And if the individual fails to register to vote by the deadline, he or she cannot vote in that particular election. Davis then detailed data he had gathered related to the November 2022 election. Data obtained from the National Change of Address database showed 637,456 Georgians provided notice of permanent changes of address. 
about 168,000 of the 637,456 change of address notices were for voters who moved from one Georgia county to another more than 30 days before the election, but failed to re-register to vote. Over 25,000 of them have appeared to have voted in the 2022 general election in their old counties. Over 25,000, ladies and gentlemen. Not all of the 25,000 plus Georgians who moved and then voted in their old county necessarily voted illegally. Rather, as Davis explained, some of those individuals may be students away at school or soldiers serving a tour of duty or other people who had reasons to file a permanent change of address for what was in reality a long-term temporary move. Yet data collected by Davis from the November 2020 general election indicates that at least 35% of the approximately 35,000 people who moved from one Georgia county to another in the state and voted in their prior county had in fact moved permanently in fact, the number of potentially illegal votes from November 2020, 12,400, exceeded Joe Biden's margin of victory over Trump in Georgia. Remember, Trump kept telling uh, Brad Raffensperger, you need to find those 11,000 votes that you threw away, Raffensperger. Oh, you shredded them? Is that why you can't find them? Is that why you're sicking the mainstream media on me with this vicious wrap-up smear campaign? even though there's no lawsuits in it. Um, so there you go, guys. 12,400 votes, right? Do they need to decertify or do they just need to uh, award the true and honest winner? Good question, huh? Good question. It says here, with the same scenario repeating itself during the last two general elections in Georgia, a reoccurrence of out-of-county illegal voting in next week's runoff election seems likely. And while the number of potentially illegal votes in the November 2022, excuse me, the, the November 2022 general election hovered around 25,000, as many as 168,000 Georgians moved to a new county and failed to re-register to vote. I'm going to blame that on Bradford Raffensperger because it should be the job of the secretaries of snakes the Secretary of State, or I don't know, maybe his deputy, to ensure that um, the people of their state understand these things. But, you know, they want us ignorant, ladies and gentlemen. They want us ignorant and dumb. They want us ignorant, dumb, and docile. That's what they want us to be. It says here an additional 270,000 plus reported moves to another state, yet remained registered. So we're talking about the people of Georgia. So we had another 270,000 plus that reported moves to another state, yet remained registered to vote in Georgia, with more than 4,200 individuals voting in Georgia in the 2022 general election. These figures allow for the possibility that 100,000 or more illegal votes could be cast during the runoff election. Of course, if uh, the citizens cannot get their hands on those ballots, if the citizens cannot inspect those ballots, uh, if the citizens cannot do their due diligence and have a type of audit that's open to the public and is not, uh, is not uh, opaque, but rather transparent, 
Um, ladies and gentlemen, you know, that's what we need. That is what we need. Not this uh, shim sham flim flam. God, everything is turning into a shim sham flim flam these days. I tell you what. But uh, the runoff election, guys, and Georgia got it twice, you know? I, I mean, I guess it's because they know that their uh, their apparatus of rhinos, um, they're all well-oiled and ready to roll. So that's that's their machine at work there in the state of Georgia, the establishment's machine. So uh, 270,000 plus moves out of state with 4,000 of them uh, still voting in the 2022 general election. Yep, 100,000 or more illegal votes could be cast during the runoff, automatically disenfranchising at the very least 100,000 votes, at the very least, but really, it sullied the entire contest. Given how tight the Warnock, oh, I think we're done there. It just goes on to, you know, it just goes on to talk about the the race and speculations and stuff. But I just wanted to point that out to you guys. The meat of that article, of course, is the defined, the documented discrepancies and uh, data logic misses <laughs> that apparently a patriot people can understand. But apparently, you know, everyone else can't when it comes to common sense, data, logic kind of thing. So, yeah, so there's Georgia. Uh, so that, that's additional evidence on top of uh, what uh, they found um, on election day with hand counts, ballot counts, and uh, audits there. And of course, uh, and of course, in uh, regards to the rule of law, oh, you better believe that there are lawsuits that are filed and that there are hearings that will be proceeding, ladies and gentlemen. And with any luck, maybe we'll be able to get... Um, uh, Garland Favorito of Voter GA back on the show. Hopefully, maybe sometime this week, guys, so that this way uh, we can we can get to talking about some specifics of what's going on in Georgia. I would say before this runoff, because I bet you Voter GA is going to be busy as heck at, when that runoff. Probably, probably a few days before, and if not after, I don't know how they run their operations, but I would imagine, guys, like if I'm running around, like my head is chopped off like a chicken. <laughs> That's ready for cooking. Uh, people who are way more involved, they're probably whew, losing sleep. Well, I mean, I'm losing a little bit of sleep, but not. it's not terminal. Okay, so uh, there was that on Georgia. Uh, very interesting, guys. Th again, the data keeps rolling in. Okay, we had nowhere near this amount of information three weeks into the botched 2020, stolen 2020 elections. Good evening, the joyful Lily. Good evening to Rivers. Good to see you guys. How you doing tonight? Thanks for stopping in, fam. Awesome, awesome. <laughs> That's a good point. The Joyful Lily says, stupid runoff. Why not have a freaking primary, right? I mean, they need to, they need to redo their entire primary, you know? <laughs> Forget the midterms. I mean, voter GA's got that locked down. It's the, it's the corrupt courts that is preventing any of this from moving forward. And that's a big discussion right now, guys. Big discussion, you know? Uh, we cannot poo-poo lawsuits. We cannot downplay the effectiveness of, of what that is doing because it's going into, again, guys, what are we? A constitutional republic. We honor, respect, obey, follow the rule of law. 
our courts are part of that system. Lawsuits and litigation and, uh, you know, due process, all part of that situation. So we shouldn't we shouldn't decry it. We should honor it. Even if it does take a long time, it's not the system that's broken. It's the people who are operating the system. They're the ones that need to go. Okay. And we, ladies and gentlemen, have always been the answer. We have always been that remedy uh, from the, from the very beginning on the founding documents of this nation. Does it say you need a lawyer, a governor, a district attorney and a county commissioner? In order to get crooked judges, crooked DAs, and all these other crooked officials out? No, it didn't say any of that. But of course, you'd probably have someone like uh, Brad Raffensperger say, oh, well, since the Constitution doesn't say that you, the people, can remove uh, you know, uh, someone from office that you think is corrupt, well, we can't make new law. Ho, ho, ho. And the ignorance continues, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, I appreciate that. I am feeling well. Mr. Two Rivers. Mr. Two Rivers is doing. And I am looking well. I appreciate that, sir. A little fired up over some of this stuff here. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Joyful Lily says, Louisiana is the only other state that does runoffs. And we don't hear boo about them screwing it up. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, uh, Louisiana. I'm like, do we? I think we've had some runoffs in Texas before. Uh, let's see here. Um, but I mean, you wouldn't hear. Well, like in Texas, you wouldn't hear anything about that. You know, uh, what you what you should be focusing on in Texas is the fact that there should have been a runoff. There should have been a runoff for Abbott. There should have been a runoff for uh, who else should there have been a runoff for? A lot of them. A lot of them. <laughs> Joyful Lily, I feel for you. She says, I'm on a tear. I'm on a tear about the runoffs lately. I have my mom's Hulu and all I see are Warnock ads. I'm so over election ads. <laughs> no kidding. I still got all four Don Buckingham election ads I got here. It's okay, Don. I voted for you. So those four ads were well spent. Um, okay. So uh, guys, with that said, and uh, all of that uh, back fluff, I think we can move on to uh, the main course for this evening. And that would be the untold... Oh, wait, wait, wait. I'm reading the wrong banner. That would be the Supreme Court, ladies and gentlemen, accepting onto its docket um, an election case for 2020. Okay. I think the most important question to arise out of this, and again... This is the most important question uh, that comes from this layman's mind, ladies and gentlemen, is will this lawsuit drain the swamp? Because it seems like that is a trajectory it could be going on. Now, I'm going to offer a little bit of my inexpert input on it, but don't take my word for it, guys. I am, after all, nothing but a silly layman with a potato-shaped head <laughs> that talks to you guys uh, every night, Monday through Friday. Um, so, will it drain the swamp? You know, this lawsuit is starting to uh, percolate and 
you know, rise to the top. Like I, today, when I searched for this lawsuit in particular, lo and behold, I found more than three sites that had written pieces. I mean, really wrote on them. I mean, most of them just pulled from the lawsuit itself, you know, because I've read it and we're going to read it tonight. Yes, we are going to read it, guys. We do that here at the C Report because um, I can't trust that you guys are going to No, Just kidding. <laughs> well, I can't trust that you guys are going to read it. So we're reading it here. <laughs> just kidding. Uh, it, the podcasters, the, they love it anyways. But uh, um, <clears throat> so I was actually finding articles and information about this lawsuit. Um, and again, I think I think it was Connie Ketchup over at Pilled that brought this to my attention. I could be wrong. Was it UD Patriot 1776? It was one of you two lovelies. But um, so I was like, okay, I need to check this out. Because based on what I read, I was like, ooh, this could be really something to look at. I, I would say it's definitely something that, at least in my limited knowledge of litigation with the Supreme Court and beyond or behind, um, we haven't seen a case quite like this with the angles that it's going at. And the, the story behind it actually is very, very interesting. So we're going to cover all of those bases tonight with this lawsuit. Now, um, just as, a, as an add on prior to getting into it, ladies and gentlemen, um, in searching for this lawsuit, uh, you know, of course, CNN and all these other types put out all these other articles about 2020 lawsuits that are going through the Supreme Court, but they are not this one. OK, I think they had one that was about gerrymandering that went that they published over at CNN. They had and then everything else is like the 2020 elections that they're referencing or, you know, it's an article from that time. Fortunately, this is getting out, you know. It would be awesome if like lawsuits, even even if the court, because we know the courts are corrupt, guys. So why do we get mad, right? We know they're corrupt. So we know what to expect. In fact, instead of getting mad, we, whoops, instead, I'm, I'm all mad. Boom. <laughs> instead of getting mad, we should be planning the next counter offensive or the way that we're going to, uh, you know, counter what they're trying to do their move. I mean, why waste our energy on those negative emotions? They're just going to sap us of all of our strength and, and all of our resolve. So don't get mad, get justice rolling. I would say get even, but I'm not that kind of person either. So, uh, anyway, if you want to get even, get even. Okay. I'm not, I'm just, I don't care about revenge anyways. So, um, there we go. There we go. So let's dig into this. We'll start here, ladies and gentlemen, um, with some background. Okay, just a little bit of background. And we're not going to go through all of the background because I actually am going to play an interview with one of the plaintiffs. So you can hear from his own mouth, uh, his experience, his insights, and uh, what he has to offer for us uh, by way of um, uh, knowledge and gleaning. You know, because that's another thing that I really at least have enjoyed, at least for myself, about watching all of this and sharing all of this information and, you know, keeping tabs on it is seeing, uh, seeing the way that uh, the states align when one is brave enough or smart enough or they have enough gumption to make a move that flies in the face of what the establishment wants them to do. Okay. And that's why I'm saying like the, the, the county commissioners Two of them, okay, two of the county commissioners of Otero, New Mexico, Otero County, New Mexico, man, guys, they stood to make 
history. Now, not many of us care about history and having our names in those books. I know I probably wouldn't want to, wouldn't say anything nice about me, but, uh, you know, that's not the point. I mean, we're living history right now, ladies and gentlemen. We are actually living through history as it's being written. The question is, will the story be the way it was experienced by all of us at the end of the journey? Or shall the victor, right? Shall the victor change that story? And we know the progressive left, the left leaners, that is kind of their modus, right? Erase their history and create a new one. And while we're at it, let's confuse them and create chaos within the structures of their mind. So this way they are confused. Nothing makes sense. There's no such thing as logic. There's 1,500 genders. Actually, I think they believe there's more, right? Than 1,500. What kind of planet, what kind of dimension do these people come from, right? They come from the demon dimension. That's what I think. Anyways. Um, okay, so let's, uh, let's, let's, let's catch up with this lawsuit, guys. So uh, I, I believe they filed, no. There are two of them, okay? There are two identical lawsuits that we're talking about in regarding regarding this uh, particular case. And uh, it, they were filed, I believe, uh, at, towards the end of October. No, 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 no. I take it back. Uh, that was with the Supreme Court because uh, of, uh, of the two lawsuits, one of them was held up in the state courts. No, the federal courts. One of them was held up in the federal courts. And it's been sitting there since April. Okay. And the other one actually made it to the Supreme Court and it has been assigned a case number and it is, it can be found on their docket. So this is real. Okay. In fact, the lawsuit we'll be referencing is directly from the Supreme Court website. So you can guys take a look at it there. Now, uh, this um, uh, case is called, uh, I guess, Brun Brunson versus Alma S. Adams et al. Uh, the et al. would be uh, President-Selected Biden, Kamala uh, Harris, uh, Trader Mike Pence, and in addition to that, 385 members of Congress. Now, my brain lit up like a Christmas tree when I saw that. And I was like, oh, it's finally here. The golden lawsuit I've been waiting for. Okay. Well, that was that was my initial reaction. Okay. Because these people are going after the current members of Congress. Okay. But now for everyone else out there who could not see the show last night, and we talked about this. Okay. And, and it was kind of like a um, preface to the entire story that we're sharing tonight. Uh, this lawsuit only addresses the selected officials at the federal level, okay? Your United States senators and congressmen, okay? Representatives. Uh, it, does not it does not address the local level. It does not address the city level. And we all know the corruption runs that deep, okay? So, you know, I, I mean, I was super excited because finally we had... Um, a piece of documentation, uh, litigation, and we're going to go through it, guys. You'll see it spells out everything pretty clearly and logically, right, within the frameworks uh, constructed by the rules of law, you know, as we have lived and abided by. And, um, you know, 
it was just like, wow, could this be the one? Well, ladies and gentlemen, what did I say, right? It doesn't address the local swamp, but it is a huge start if they could pull this off. Um, I already see a way that I think that they're going to try and um, by they, well, you know, I can't really say because we're going with the Supreme Court that has what it, it's mostly conservative now. OK, and there's more to this story, too. OK, so I'm going to try not to get too ahead of myself. Right. Don't want to get my skis ahead of my feet. Um, but let's see here. Uh, let, let's read what the article says here real quick. Where does this come from? Oh, awesome. It comes from RolandBrunson.com. Now, Roland Brunson is the name of the plaintiff whose lawsuit made it to the Supreme Court. Roland Brunson is the brother of Loy Brunson, and Loy Brunson is the second plaintiff whose um, lawsuit is currently stuck in federal courts. Okay, they're not moving forward with it for whatever reason. I think he might talk about it in the interview. Uh, okay, cool. So um, what was his name again? <laughs> Brunson. Uh, oh, yeah. Rowland. Rowlandbrunson.com. So that's where this comes from. So this is from the horse's mouth, guys. You know, we love getting our information from the horse's mouth. It says, currently, there are two lawsuits identical to each other. The first one, filed by Loy Brunson, is still held up in the Utah federal court. The second one, filed by Rowland J. Brunson, has made it to the Supreme Court of the United States Docket number 22-380, where nine justices in conference will vote, only four are needed, to move to a hearing. Now, here is what the lawsuit is about. And uh, I don't know, can you guys see that text? It looks kind of small to me, but you guys know I'm, I have like a smaller thing here. Okay, uh, let's see here. Let's see here. What are we going to do? There we go. No, yeah, it's not too bad. Okay. Uh, so it says here, both lawsuits include defendants. Uh, President selected Biden, Harris, uh, former VP Prince, uh, Prince, Pence, and 385 members of Congress for breaking their oath of office by voting against the proposition that came from members of Congress to investigate the claims that there were enemies of the Constitution who successfully rigged the election. Both lawsuits are about the defendants breaking their oath of office. I do solemnly swear or affirm that I will support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic. How can you support and defend the Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic? The answer, you investigate. If there are claims that there is a threat, even if you don't believe there is a threat, you investigate. How else can you determine if there is a threat unless you investigate? You can't. Were there claims of, uh, con of threat to the Constitution? Yes. Where did these serious claims come from? 100 members of Congress. What was the threat? that there were enemies of the Constitution who successfully rigged the 2020 election. In this lawsuit about, is this lawsuit about a rigged election? No. 
It's about the members of Congress who voted against the investigation, thereby thwarting the investigation. Was this a clear violation of their oath? Yes, it was. And the relief that Loy and Rowland are seeking is that the defendants be permanently removed from office and not allowed to hold a public office again. So if I wanted to put my devil's advocate hat on, right? And uh, yeah, <laughs> it's all tattered and torn and stuff like that. But uh, if I were to put that hat on, guys, that you know, I could, and then based on um, some of the uh, court hearings and shenanigans that we've seen with in regard to elections and this this corrupt judicial system that we seem to have in this nation you know i would say that they're they would probably say something like uh rowland and uh loy do not have standing or uh do you really ex they th maybe 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 i don't i don't think that they're this corrupt maybe Katanji brown jackson right maybe uh roberts maybe uh uh, Sotomayor, right? Okay. Uh, yeah, maybe they would be like the people, like the, um, like the courts in Michigan, right? Again, a great example of what corruption looks like in the judicial system. Uh, Michigan, the state of Michigan, guys. So uh, we had a judge in the state of Michigan that told William Bailey, plaintiff for the Antrim, Antrim County case, okay, told him, oh, what did you want us to do, Mr. Bailey? Allow 8 million Michiganders to each hold their own individual um, election audit of all of the ballots? Well, that's just not practical, Mr. Bailey. So we'll let you, uh, we'll let you um, audit the machines and that will serve as your relief because the other one is just impractical, illogical. Okay, that's the kind of reasoning that we've seen happen to get these cases kicked out or to get a lesser reward, relief, or effect than what we had proposed when we filed these lawsuits. So um, very interesting, guys, right? So, I mean, I'm, again, just devil's advocate, you know, I mean, that's why, I mean, how can I get mad if the Supreme Court throws it out? I mean, hello? <laughs> uh, we should already be preparing for that, guys. We should already be preparing for that. That's the point, you know, of all of this. Like, yeah, we, we already went through the test run in 2020, right? And, and all of the lawfare and all of the litigation that was uh, shamefully thrown out, shamefully, shamefully thrown out, ladies and gentlemen, okay, on technicalities, nonetheless, or, or based on, again, another technicality, the way the case was filed, you know? So, uh, we did our dress rehearsal, guys, in 2020. Why is everyone crying when the main actor dies? We already knew that was in the script, okay? <laughs> I don't know what other analogies to use. Take a look at the lawsuit, guys. All right. So um, there were... Oh, you know what? Did I not show you guys the website? I thought I had his website here also. Oh, this is probably... Okay, there's background here we're not going to talk about because they they actually talk about that in the interviews. So I want to uh, I'll, I'll I want them to tell you their story. Um, March 23rd is when Loy Brunson filed his complaint with the Utah Federal Court. June 21st, and this is 2021, guys, is when uh, his brother Rowland uh, filed his complaint. Okay, 
and, and they'll give you the details on uh, how that went down. There's a lot of stuff that happened here, guys, uh, between when they first filed this all the way to it going to the Supreme Court. Uh, so here is a timeline of events for both of the um, lawsuits at, again, this is at rowlandbrunson.com. Uh, if you guys want to get a hold of that. And then, like I said, we're going to... Uh, we're going to go through the lawsuit right now. Uh, you can get your hands on a copy of this lawsuit. I'll probably put it over at the Sea Report Telegram, but you can also get it off of uh, the uh, Supreme Court, the SCOTUS website. Um, that's supremecourt.gov. And uh, you can also actually get, a, if you actually wanted to get a, a copy yourself of the way it was actually delivered to the Supreme Court, um, over at Lloyd Brunson's website, which is um, his website is seven, the numeral seven discoveries.com, seven discoveries.com. Um, you can actually uh, pitch in uh, for their uh, legal fees uh, by donating to receive a copy of the lawsuits. Now you can get, you can get that digitally if you'd like, um, or you can actually get a physical copy now, again, there were two lawsuits and then they filed another motion. And that's the one that you can get a physical copy of. It's perfect bound. <laughs> I'm only going into all the detail because as a publisher, I'm like, oh, wow, a perfect bound. Uh, I think that's kind of like a standard for the Supreme Court. So uh, uh, the writ of Sertoria, Sertoria which is pronounced Sertoraria also. I had to look at pronunciations on that one. I don't speak Latin, but I speak pig Latin. Pretty good, guys. <laughs> uh, do A-I-A? I sure do. Okay, so um, Sertiorari. A writ of Sertiorari. Okay, uh, and that is what this physical copy is here. And that is actually, uh, I think, what we'll be going through tonight. So that is Loy Brunson, by the way, ladies and gentlemen. We'll be talking about him after we get through this lawsuit, because I'm pretty sure you, if you guys are like me, you're like, okay, this seems like it's a pretty stellar lawsuit. This is definitely kind of outside of the box. But who the heck is Loy Brunson, right? Who the heck is Loy Brunson? Yes, I'm going to put my pensive face on in the chat, my sticker face, right? When I'm, whenever I'm lost in deep thought, okay? Who is Lloyd Brunson? Anyways, um, this is uh, the lawsuit or the petition for a writ of certiorari. <laughs> that is a mouthful, guys. Um, a on a petition for writ of certiorari to the United States Court of Appeals for the Tenth Circuit. Okay, and again, this is Roland J. Brunson's um, lawsuit, and again, this is the one that is currently in the Supreme Court, received by the clerk on October twenty fourth. Uh, questions presented: A serious conflict. <laughs> a serious conflict exists between decisions rendered from this court and lower appeal courts, along with constitutional provisions and statutes in deciding whether or not the trial court has jurisdiction to try the merits of this case. 
Wikileaks uncovers a serious national security breach that is unique and is of first impression. And due to the serious nature of this case, it involves the possible removal of a sitting president and vice president of the United States, along with members of the United States Congress, while deeming them unfit from ever holding office under federal, state, county, or local governments found within the United States of America. And at the same time, the trial court also has the authority to be validated by this court to authorize the swearing in of the legal and rightful heirs for president and vice president of the United States. See, and now that's another important part there, right? But the question that I ask wearing the devil's advocate's hats is what about the other 385 members that will be removed if this goes through? How are they going to handle that? And if they can't imagine a way to handle it, will they throw the case out because it's like an illogical uh, relief for what, you know, they, they can come up with anything, guys. And it'll be interesting to see who uh, decides what on this case. Okay. Um, let's see here. In addition, there are two doctrines that conflict with each other found in this case affecting every court in this country. These doctrines are known as the doctrine of equitable maxim and the doctrine of the object principle of justice. Equitable maxim created by this court, which the lower court used to dismiss this case, sets in direct violation of the object principle of justice, also partially created by this court and supported by other appeal courts and constitutional provisions. These conflicts call for the supervisory power of this court to resolve these conflicts, which has not, but should be, settled by this court with out delay. Parties to the proceedings. Petitioner Rowland J. Brunson is an individual representing himself and is a plaintiff in the trial court. The following 388 respondents are a party to this action as defendants in the trial court. We're not going to read all of them, guys. We're not going to read all of them, but I highlighted some interesting ones, right? I mean, it's it's just everyone who's in Congress right now, guys. Uh, named persons in their capacities as United States House of Representatives. And there they are in alphabetical order. All of the House of Representatives right there. Who did I highlight? Cory Bush, Juan Castro, Liz Cheney, Dan Crenshaw, Henry Quayler, uh, Rosal DeLauro. Uh, you know, the, the, uh, Roselle Delaro, that's, that's the, uh, that's the Mike Flynn twin sister. Anyways, uh, let's see who else do we got here. Lloyd Doggett, Veronica Escobar, Texas people, uh, Tony Gonzalez, Anthony Gonzalez, Vicente Gonzalez, Kay Granger, Jaima Herrera Butler, uh, Sheila Jackson Lee, Dusty Johnson, John Katko, Adam Kintinger. Did they know they're gone already? Ted Lou. Uh, let's see here. Nancy Mace, Carolyn B. Maloney, Michael McCall, Peter Meyer, Marionette Miller-Meeks, uh, Gerald Nadler, Dan Newhouse, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Ilhan Omar, Nancy Pelosi, Anya Presley, or uh, Ayanna Presley, excuse me. I mean, uh, Tilk from Stargate SG-1, uh, since she shaved her head. Uh, Jamie Raskin, Chip Roy. Uh, let's see, who else do we got in here? Uh, Raul Ruiz. Oh, I thought I thought that said Rand Paul, but he's not till the senators come up. 
Let's see. Eric Swalwell, Benny G. Thompson, Rashida Tlaib, Fred Upton, Debbie Wasserman Schultz, Maxine Waters, Frederica Wilson, Marsha Blackburn, Richard Blumenthal, Roy Blunt, Corey Booker, John Boozman, Richard Burr, Bill Cassidy, Christopher Coons, uh, John Cornyn, Susan Collins, uh, Tom Cotton, Mike Crapo, uh, Diane Feinstein, Lindsey Graham, Chuck Grassley, Bill Haggerty, Maggie Hassan, uh, Maitzi Hirono, cannot stand that woman, uh, James Inhofe, Ron Johnson, Tim Kane, Amy Klobuchar, Mike Lee, Joe Manchin III, Mitch McConnell, Jerry Moran, Lisa Murkowski, Rand Paul, Mitt Romney, Marco Rubio, Bernard Sanders, Ben Sassy, Charles Schumer, Rick Scott, Tim Scott, Kirsten Sinema, uh, Dan Sullivan, Tom Tillis, Patrick Tumay, uh, Raphael G. Warnock, Elizabeth Warren, and, uh, well, the crowning glories here, Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. in his capacity of selected president of the United States, uh, Michael Richard Pence in his capacity as former vice president of the United States, and Kamala Harris in her capacity as a former heavyweight wrestler from Africa. No, just kidding. Uh, <laughs> I know it was Kamala Harris. Anyways, Kamala Harris in her capacity as vice president selected of the United States and John and Jane Doe's one through 100. I don't know who that is yet, guys. So the next few pages will be the table of continents. Fortunately, we will not have to go through that. But, uh, you know, reading off all those names, guys, I just, you know, there's so many of them. You don't realize how many of them that there are. And really, we actually need more of them, believe it or not. Um, but uh, it just felt good to read all those names and just think that there's a possibility they're all going to go away. Now, of course, the bittersweet will be the ones that we perceive as good guys. But I think if they really are good guys, they would have no issue with this going forward because they could always get back in, right? Oh, well, no, wait, wait, I take it back because this lawsuit would forbid them from ever running for office again. But then again, well, you know, I mean, it's like it's like that Maricopa County Board of Supervisor that I kept going on about, but I couldn't remember his name. The one that left, the one that exited, right? That was... Uh, Stephen Shukri, well, we'll call him Commissioner Shukri, who disagreed with the Maricopa County Board of Supervisors uh, every day until Sunday. And he said that the elections should not have been certified. That was former Commissioner Shukri of Maricopa County. Right now, that guy, I don't think he should be arrested because he fought tooth and nail with those corrupt commissioners or supervisors in Maricopa to the point of leaving. Right. Um, <clears throat> but, uh, these people here, uh, named as defendants, I'm trying to think how many of them fought for election integrity. D did I see Marjorie Taylor Greene's name in there? <laughs> I mean, I would imagine that she would be part of that, but you see, that's where this lawsuit is different then, like, say the lawsuit that was filed about the um, certification of the machines and the accreditation of the voting system testing laboratories. OK, that's where that one's different, because if that one was found. 
or should I say, should they decide to follow the rule of law in regard to the evidence that is stacked on um, a case like that, guys? Um, should they have actually followed the rule of law? You know, that would affect everyone down to the local level. But here again, this is just one that affects and I should say just effects, because again, this is a this is this is the surface of the swamp, guys, Capitol Hill, right? It's the first five feet of water in that swamp, right? Murky, dirty, gray and brown water, right? Um, and, and it goes deep. The drain is at the county level, apparently, ladies and gentlemen, at the city level, you know, we have to go all the way down. Get your scuba gear. I hope you can withstand the pressure. <laughs> But no, I was curious. Yeah, I don't I don't think I did see Marjorie Taylor Greene's name in here. So I just want to look real quick to see if because uh, then I would wonder, is it because she was fighting for election integrity that she did not get included on this list? Hmm, let's see here. Well, it's in alphabetical order. So uh, let's see. Rice, Price, Negus. Who are you looking for again? Green, right? Let's see. Green, are you here? Raja Krishna Marathi. I didn't know we had a Raja in Congress. Anyways, okay. Green, green, green. Marjorie Taylor's going green. Green, green, green. Uh, let's see here. Al Green is here. Raul M. No, there's no Marjorie Taylor Green listed here. Huh. Awesome. Okay, cool. So uh, let's see here. Or, oh wait, am I am I being silly? No, 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 no. Yeah, no, she's not here. Okay, so uh, let's see here. Interesting stuff, that though. Interesting stuff. So all those names, 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 ladies and gentlemen, all these defendants. What is up? Okay, so uh, let's see. They go through the list of proceedings. They go through the jurisdiction, right? Final judgments rendered by the highest court of a state may be reviewed by the Supreme Court by writ of certiorari where any right or privilege is specifically set up or claimed under the statutes of the United States. Uh, in one of the interviews I was listening to with um, Loy Brunson, uh, he was explaining that when uh, he and his brother, or I guess his brother, had discovered this writ of certiorari, um, as far as, I guess, litigation proceedings go, that they discovered that they could essentially leap over the 10th uh, 10th Circuit Court of Appeals and go directly to uh, the Supreme Court. And that's what happened. So uh, let's see here. Supreme Court Rule 14F Provisions. What's that about? It says, uh, Amendment 1 of the Constitution of the United States. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the right of the people peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. Article four, I'm sorry, article six of the constitution, the constitution and the laws of the United States, which shall be made pursuance thereof, shall be the supreme law of the land and the judges in every state shall be bound thereby. Good question, Skeeter Burke. What about Jim Jordan? <laughs> Let's go back and look real quick. 
Good question. I mean, I didn't highlight it, so that means he must not have been on the list because I was searching through this list uh, for the juicy names, right? For all the ones who've already been called up to bat, all these other rhinos have not been called up to bat. That's why you don't know their names, ladies and gentlemen. The only ones who would know their names are their uh, state voters. For some of these people, what am I looking at? Maloney? Okay. What is Jim Jordan's last name again? Jordan? Just kidding. <laughs> Wait, he has two first names. Anyways, Jim Jordan. Jordan, Pamela Jayapal. Oh, Pramila Jayapal. I forgot to highlight her. Jeffries Johnson. Bernice Johnson. Henry Johnson. There's a whole bunch of Johnsons here. Mondaire Jones. Okay, Joyce Kalili. Yep, there is no Jim Jordan here, y'all. Interesting. Very, very interesting. Oh, whoops. Okay. Let us press forward. Esteemed members of the audience, let us press forward. Good information all. Okay. So um, let's see here. Okay. This is where we left off. Uh, Supreme Court Rule 14F provisions. Okay. Uh, so uh, the document goes on to say, Fourteenth Amendment to the Constitution of the United States, nor shall any state deprive any person of life, liberty, or property without due process of law, nor deny to any person within its jurisdiction the equal protection of the laws. Section 3 says no person shall be a senator or representative in Congress or elector of president and vice president or hold any office, civil or military, under the United States or under any state who, having previously taken an oath as a member of Congress or as an officer of the United States, or as a member of any state legislature, or as an executive or judicial officer of any state, to support the Constitution of the United States shall have engaged in insurrection or rebellion against the same or given aid or comfort to the enemies thereof. But Congress may, by a vote of two-thirds of each house, remove such disability. So yeah, the, the procedures by which Congress can act is only fueled by the will of the people. And we shouldn't forget that. In fact, you know, the people in Congress should not be doing anything unless they've heard from us uh, in a perfect world, guys. I mean, no, I get it. They got to be experts at something, but then why are they all lawyers? You know, why are they all lawyers? Because the system's fixed, y'all. The system is fixed. Clear water. Fifth Amendment of the United States Constitution. No person shall be deprived of life, liberty, or property without due process of law. Ninth Amendment of the Constitution of the United States. The enumeration in the Constitution of certain rights shall not be construed to deny or disparage others retained by the people. Article 1, Section 7 of the Constitution of Utah. 
Oh, and uh, just as a fun factoid, guys, uh, the Brunson brothers come from the state of Utah, right? Okay, so uh, Article 1, Section 2 of the Constitution of Utah says all courts shall be open, which shall be administered without denial or unnecessary delay. And no person shall be barred from prosecuting or defending before any tribunal in this state by himself or counsel, any civil case to which he is a party. So I think he was telling them, I've got standing here. Okay. Statement of the case. This action is against 388 federal officers in their official capacities, which include President selected Joseph Robinette Biden, Jr., uh, Vice President selected Kamala Harris, Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi, and former Vice President turned traitor Michael Richard Pence. I'm just kidding, guys. He was always a traitor. All the respondents have taken the required oath to support and defend the Constitution of the United States of America against all enemies, foreign and domestic. And as such, they are liable for consequences when they violate their oath of office. Respondents were properly warned and were requested to make an investigation into a highly covert, swift and powerful enemy, as stated below, seeking to destroy the Constitution and the United States. Respondents purposely thwarted all efforts to investigate this, whereupon this enemy was not checked or investigated. Therefore, the respondents adhered to this enemy. Because of respondents' intentional refusal to investigate this enemy, Petitioner Roland J. Brunson, heretofore to be referred to as Brunson, <laughs> brought this action against respondents because he was seriously personally damaged and violated by this action of respondents. And consequently, this action unilaterally violated the rights of every citizen of the United States of America, and perhaps the rights of every person living and all courts of law. On January 6, 2021, the 117th Congress held a proceeding and debate in Washington, D.C., heretofore to be re referred to as proceeding. This proceeding was the, for the purpose of counting votes under the 2020 presidential election for the president and vice president of the United States under Amendment 12. During this proceeding, over 100 members of the United States Congress claimed factual evidence that they said uh, election was rigged. The refusal of the respondents to investigate this congressional claim, the enemy, is an act of treason and fraud by the respondents. A successfully rigged election has the same end result as an act of war to place into power, uh, to place into power those whom the victor wants, which in this case is Biden, who, if not stopped immediately, will continue to destroy the fundamental freedoms of Brunson and all United States citizens and courts of law. Due to the fact that this case represents a national security breach on a, an unprecedented level, like never before seen, seriously damaging and violating Brunson and coincidentally affects every citizen of the United States and courts of law.
Therefore, Brunson moves this court to grant this petition or, in the alternative without continuing further, order the trial court to grant Brunson's complaint in its fullest. Brunson's complaint is the mechanism that can immediately remove the respondents from office without leading this country vulnerable without a president and vice president. Despite the grave importance of this case, the trial court granted respondents motion to dismiss, heretofore referred to as motion, by stating it is ordered and adjudged that plaintiff Roland Brunson's action is dismissed without prejudice. Clear prejudice. Um, order. This order followed the trial court's order to adopt its report and recommendation that Brunson did not get until close to the beginning of October 2022, thus prejudicing Brunson family, uh, excuse me, 2000, October 2022, thus prejudicing Brunson from timely, timely filing any objections. Yeah, because they'll use the long game to try and uh, get you past your deadlines. And then, oh, I guess you can't run for office. Article continues, and the order did not properly address Brunson's opposition to the motion. Brunson's opposition clearly shows that Brunson has standing. Per Brunson's opening brief, and as outlined in Brunson's said opposition, both not properly addressed by the lower courts. That's because that writ of certoraria, I guess, uh, skipped it over, right? It says Brunson has standing and the trial has full proper jurisdiction to the rule of the merits of this case based upon the following factors. A. The case of American Bush v. City of South Salt Lake, 2006, clearly states that the Constitution of the United States, along with, the, with state constitutions, do not grant rights to the people. These instruments measure the power of the rulers, but they do not measure the rights of the governed, the self-governed. And they are not the fountain of law, nor the origin of the people's rights, but they have been put in place to protect their rights. Therefore, the statutes and case law cited by respondents claiming immunity from Brunson's claims in this instance are unconstitutional, and this court needs to rule in that manner. Wow, that was a mouthful, right? B, the enumeration in the Constitution of certain rights shall not be construed to deny or disparage others retained by the people, other rights retained by the people. Therefore, the purpose of the Constitution was written to protect our self-evident rights. The Constitution cannot be construed by any means, by any legislative, judicial, and executive bodies, by any court of law to deny or disparage our rights. This is the supreme law of the land. The Constitution and the laws of the United States shall be made pursuance thereof, shall be the supreme law of the land, and the judges in every state shall be bound thereby. Article 6 of the Constitution C. The First Amendment of the Constitution states that Congress shall make no law prohibiting the right of the people to petition the government for a redress of grievances. 
B, our courts have consistently held that fraud vitiates whatever it touches. Morris v. House, 32 Texas, 492-1870. Estate of Stone Cipher v. Estate of Butts. Is that the Henry Edward Butts? And uh, it is a stern but just maxim of law that fraud vitiates everything into which it enters. Pardon me, ladies and gentlemen. I guess the coffee's wearing out. Vitiate, to impair or make void, to destroy or annul either completely or partially the force and effect of an act of of an act or instrument. And that's from West's Encyclopedia of American Law. E. Due to the uniqueness of this case, the trial court does have proper authority to remove the respondent fr- respondents from their offices under 18 U.S. Code 2381, which states, whoever owing allegiance to the United States levies war against them or adheres to their enemies, giving them aid and comfort within their Uh, giving them aid and comfort within the United States or elsewhere is guilty of treason and shall suffer death or shall be imprisoned not less than five years and fined under this title, but not less than 10,000 dolhairs and all shall be incapable of holding any office under these United States of America. A court adjudicating that the respondents who have taken the oath of office to be incapable of holding their offices or who have adhered to a domestic enemy means nothing. It means nothing without such removal of office. Under the stated factors, Brunson has an unfettered right to sue the respondent under the serious nature of his claim. No legislation can measure Brunson's right to sue the respondents. Furthermore, Brunson's allegations against respondents adhering to a domestic enemy and committing acts of fraud are not protected by any kind of legislation or jurisdictional immunity. Essentially, acts of Congress cannot protect fraud, nor protect the violation of the oath, or that give aid and comfort to the enemies of the nation. Or in their words, uh, where's that? To the enemies of the... Where's my spot, guys? Okay. Oh, there we go. Essentially, acts of Congress cannot protect fraud nor protect the violation of the oath or that uh, give aid and comfort to the enemies of the United States Constitution or America, as alleged in Brunson's complaint against the respondents. There are facts that cannot be overcome. Therefore, Brunson found no need to include in this petition a copy of respondents' opposition to Brunson's opening brief or any of their arguments. 
Nevertheless, Brunson's opening brief does touch upon respondents' immunity, arguments, and shows how respondents do not, nor can they, over Brunson's arguments as stated herein. It is an uncontestable fact that the respondents committed fraud and treason breaching our national security as an domestic enemy that continues to breach our national security at an alarming rate on a daily basis. This national security breach is having the same end result as an act of war to place into power whom the respondents want, which is Biden. Brunson moves this court with its powers to order the trial court of this case to immediately grant to Brunson the damages he seeks in his complaint. This is necessary to immediately secure our national security without further delay. Turning now to the doctrine of equitable maxim created by this court, this doctrine stands in direct conflict of the do doctrine of the object principle of justice. You better believe I've never heard of any of these doctrines before, ladies and gentlemen. This doctrine of the what? The doctrine of the object principle of justice, object, object, principle of justice, is couched by the supreme law of the land and sets in motion to provide our court system to be the most just, limited, highly effective, and easy to understand, and infuse our system, <clears throat> excuse me, infuses our court system to be the most highly respected and dearly admired court system greater than the world has ever seen. The doctrine of equitable maxim kills this, and had the trial court been guided by the object principle of justice, this appeal would not be necessary. In addition, the doctrine of the object principle of justice steps the precarious nature of our courts, stops, excuse me, it stops the precarious nature of our courts. Their jobs would be much easier with less stress and parties in court would have a strong sense on how the court is going to rule, thus promoting settlements to a high degree. And uh, as such lawsuits, jurisprudence requires this court to revoke the doctrine of equitable maxim that it created and to install the doctrine of the object principle of justice more thoroughly throughout the entire court system in America. The doctrines of equitable maxim and the object principle of justice are fully explained in a petition before the court, before this court, under docket number 18-1147. To avoid being repetitious, Brunson herein incorporates the argument found therein as though fully stated herein and moves this court to address the question either under this petition or under docket number 18-1147. Now let's talk about the reasons for granting this petition. Brunson's complaint alleges fraud, violations of the oath of office, and touches on acts of treason committed by the respondents. These serious offenses need to be addressed immediately with the least amount of technical nuance and the law 
and legal procedures because these offenses are flowing continually against Brunson's liberties and life and consequently is a continual security breach, ladies and gentlemen. Voting is the greatest power of an of, of voting is the greatest power an individual can exercise in a republic. Uh, you know, it's it's kind of making me uh, recall uh, the um, uh, the uh, Arizona citizen that we watched and listened testify yesterday. Uh, that was from Venezuela, right? She got it. She got it about our vote. She she actually she actually dug deeper into it than I think I've ever heard anyone go into it at. Yeah, or you know framed it a certain way. Um which was and guys, I've said this on the show before, our our vote is a legal contract, okay? It's a contract, all right? It is it is me telling my elected representatives right? If it were working the way it's supposed to, okay? It's me notifying them about my engagement and participation in self-governance, right? Uh, my my uh, approval of the rule of law, honor and respect of the constitution that guides this nation uh, with, 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 with just a touch of divine influence, I would say, okay? And uh, yet we have these people who keep on... Um, a breaching the security, lying to us. Um, <clears throat> it's more than a privilege. I I know that this far in, in this far in the show, for lack of the word game in that phrase, but this far in the show, guys, you know, uh, we get that, you know, we get that, but um. Well, you know, I guess we just have to see where this is going to go from here, right? Where this is going to go from here. Our our vote, ladies and gentlemen, is is probably the most sacred thing on this planet. When you stack it up against what it symbolically like um represents, you know, what what that represents. That is representation of a free liberated people who are not held down by the metal boots of autocrats and authoritarians and dictators. <clears throat> the most sacred thing on this planet. And I have heard some say it is probably also the most coveted thing on this planet. Because again, guys, that shining city on the hill you know, the one where all the lights are going out right now and the buildings are falling apart and uh, it seems like they're, you know, the people are in uh, utter chaos. Yeah. Was the example. Everyone has been watching the United States of America. Everyone has been watching these United States of America as the example to the world of what a free and liberated people look like. And now it's funny that... Uh, some of these other nations are becoming examples to us about how we should deal with out-of-control corruption and uh, the, the utter disdain that these elected officials have for the people whom 
believe they voted for them. Voting is the greatest power an individual can exercise in a republic. It is Brunson's personal voice and the way he can protect his personal constitution protected rights, personal constitutional protected rights, and the United States Constitution. Uh, see paragraph 71 of the complaint. When the allegations of a rigged election came forward, the respondents had a duty under law to investigate it or be removed from office. An honest and fair election can only be supported by legal votes. This is sacred. It is the basis of our United States Republican form of government protected by the United States Constitution. The efforts made, as stated in the complaint, that avoided an investigation of how Biden won the election is an act of treason and an act of levying war against the United States Constitution, which violated Brunson's unfettered right to vote in an honest and fair election and as such wrongfully invalidated his vote. Good stuff, huh, guys? Pretty good stuff. As a national security interest, Brunson's mo Brunson moves this court to be swift by going beyond granting this petition. It should order the lower court to grant Brunson's complaint to avoid any further delay. Conclusion. This petition is set forth in the interest of justice in protecting Brunson's right to the petition for a redress of grievances against the respondents and ensuring his right of due process against the encroachment of the doctrine of equitable maxim and charging the respondents who failed to investigate the allegations of a rigged election by having them removed from office without further delay. Dated October 13, 2022. Okay. And like I said, this was Roland Brunson's uh, lawsuit. Woo, guys, we got through that in record time. Now, did we retain anything, right? <laughs> Just kidding, guys. There is no pop quiz. Uh, there is no pop quiz, but wanted to go through that with you all so you could get a clear understanding of the uh, language and the verbiage used in this and where it's going. Okay. Because we're going to break it down now. Um, well, actually... I'm not going to break it down, uh, but but Loy Brunson will. Uh, but but before we get to that, I wanted to show you guys this real quick. And let me let me pull away from the screen so this way uh, I can speak with you all for a moment. Uh, getting back into that um, <clears throat> devil's advocate hat that I was wearing earlier about whether or not a lawsuit like this would really drain the swamp. Okay, an emphasis on draining the swamp because, I mean, you'd be getting rid of the top layer of it, the federal layer of it. Uh, but there's all of those swamp creatures that live way deep down at the local level that we got to get to, too. We've got all the the uh, swamp creature donors, all the swamp creature CEOs, businessmen, uh, you know, bankers, uh, corporations, NGOs. All of those people got to go. Or, or a lot of serious reform needs to be considered in regards to how those entities function in this type of a government. Serious reform, ladies and gentlemen. Um, but, you know, going back to what the Supreme Court could rule or decide based on litigations of lower courts, right? I mean, obviously not the Supreme Court would put the emphasis on a move like this. 
but you know that whole uh, the relief you seek is beyond that which we feel would uh, be granted to you by whatever they decide to to do for Brunson if it goes that way. Because again, it went that way in Antrim County, right? You know, I mean, it went that way in Pennsylvania. You know, it went that way in many of the states on, on all technicalities. Uh, but you know, what would be the remedy for that? Because I could imagine. I could imagine them saying, well, I mean, you want us to get rid of 388 elected officials. Well, uh, what are we going to do in the interim? We can't have every state in this uh, nation, in this union, without leaders. <laughs> I mean, even though they're leading us into the fire, even though they're leading us into the slaughterhouse, you know, we still can't get rid of them. And I'll be damned if they say the Constitution says you cannot do this. But the Brunsons provided a lot of the legal uh, legwork there um, for uh, for us to peruse and learn from, but to also to move this case forward, hopefully. Um, the Quo Warranto, ladies and gentlemen, have y'all ever heard of the Quo Warranto? Now, uh, I first heard of the Quo Warranto over at... Recess, um, and it was a form of litigation or a writ, I guess you could say, uh, well, you know, let me let me read it to you guys, because even even then I was um, hard to understand uh, when it comes to litigation, guys. You know, I could talk to you guys about election, you know, uh, integrity or fraud or even election rule like half asleep. But when it comes to litigation, ladies and gentlemen, it's not my forte. Uh, but anyways, that's no excuse to not learn. So it says here, quo warranto. What is that? A quo warranto is Latin for by what warrant or by what authority. A writ of quo warranto is a common law remedy, a common law remedy, which is used to challenge a person's right to hold a public or corporate office. A state may also use a quo warranto action to revoke a corporation's charter. When bringing a petition for writ of quo warranto, individual members of the public have standing as citizens. They have standing as citizens and as taxpayers. So in other words, the courts can't use this. You have no standing with a writ of quo warranto. In one case from Alabama, the court noted that the writ of quo warranto is utilized to test whether person may lawfully hold office, and the purpose of writ of quo warranto is to ascertain whether office holder is constitutionally and legally authorized to perform any act in or exercise any functions of office to which he or she lays claim. Okay, so how does that fit into the lawsuit? And again, guys, I am not a lawyer. I am not a legal expert. I've never claimed to be. I am merely uh, speaking based off of previous cases that I have studied and shared with you all. Um, so, you know, I mean, I, I could possibly get some of this wrong. But again, if you're doing your due diligence and you're researching yourself, then uh, no harm, no foul, right? <laughs> it's not like I'm telling you all to turn against President Trump or something like Candace Owens does, but everyone's still going to love her anyways. Okay, so let's stop talking about that skag. Um, <clears throat> not a fan, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, so 
the way I'm kind of processing all of this information and data in my head um, is that I, I would see an out for the Supreme they decide to be as corrupt as the other courts in this nation and and they'll use standing or something like that or they'll say we're going to have 388 empty offices that's some kind of a crisis if it's not a constitutional one i don't know what it is and so maybe they just won't do it right is there any precedence for removing every member of the cabinet of the office the only nation that i can reference doing that is russia ladies and gentlemen they're the only nation I can reference of firing the entire board and hiring one that will approve. No, you get what I'm saying, right? That got rid of everybody that was in the state house or that was in government, you know, and then replaced them. Okay. Russia's the only one I can think about that did that. So I could see this as being daunting, right? I could see this like being a case that maybe the justices and the judges don't want to touch, or maybe they'll just delay or... Maybe they'll you know, hold off on it, use that good old passage of time lawfare stuff. But interesting enough, ladies and gentlemen, the Supreme Court actually started to encourage the Brunsons in, and they started to, uh, I don't want to use the word direct, but um, they started to offer, you know, uh, insights into what be, could be included in the writ of uh, certoratoria, not quororanto. But anyways, so closing up the quo warranto, um, a thought, ladies and gentlemen, when um, uh, Tori Maris was presenting this notion to her audience as a path forward, it was in regards to the lack of certification for those machines and lack of accreditation for the voting uh, testing system laboratories. Because... We that is a federal and a state law that could easily have undone 2020, and we would not have to have gone through all of this that we've been through. Now, you know, I will say also the benefit of us not having the eyes or the ears to or the mind to understand the machines, accreditation, uh, the voting system, testing laboratories, even the quo warranto, because I couldn't even put my head around the whole thing back at the time, you know, like, um. <clears throat> All of that going forward, you know, uh, it was because without the certification, okay, every single person elected during a year that there was no certification is illegally inhabiting that office. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, every single person from your county commissioner all the way up to your president selected, okay, because they were all selected on uncertified machines from unaccredited voting system testing laboratories. So the pathway forward of litigation with this quo warranto would have been to say, hey, here's all the documentation that says uh, they certified unlawful elections, unconstitutional elections. They have to be undone, okay? And uh, this quo warranto challenges that office, right? And then here's the evidence. And um, I didn't follow the proceedings to the T. Um, but I want to say something came up to where it was like, you need it in a quo warranto, you needed to have a stand in right for that office. So that this way you could hold uh, additional or new elections, right? Or whatever you had to do. 
But that means we would need 388 of you, beautiful Americans, to step up to the plate, right? And um, at this point, guys, uh, in, in this, um, I love this phrase, this civilized revolution. You know, I didn't coin that phrase, but I love that phrase because that's exactly what we're seeing, right? Uh, in, in, in most aspects, uh, non-violence, uh, non-kinetic, at least at this point, you know, the people of uh, Maricopa County during that hearing on Monday, they were putting that board on notice, okay? A and duly so, the establishment on notice, okay? And, and hopefully activating some more patriots and Americans to really get involved, you know? So uh, 388 people to stand in for these representatives, I think, hopefully, would be a remedy if uh, the justices decide to be like, well... We can't have 388 offices and you didn't offer us um, a recourse to that fact. Just saying, ladies and gentlemen, just saying. Okay, so uh, let's see here. Where are we going to go next? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Loy Brunson. Okay, so uh, we're going to focus on Loy Brunson um, as opposed to Roland Brunson, the brother whose docket actually went to the Supreme Court because I was able to find so much information on Loy Brunson. Uh, again, uh, the brothers Brunson, there's I think four or five of them. Um, they hail from Utah, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, I just wanted to pull this up so you guys could check this out. So this is from uh, his website. He actually ran for Senate in Utah. So this is what we're referencing here. Uh, Loyforsenate.com. Uh, Loy Arlen Brunson is running for United States Senate, it says here. This was in 2022. Oh, boy, look at all these interviews he has. I didn't even see all of these. Okay, so uh, let's see here. Is that all we got, Brunson? Come on, Brunson. You got to got more than that. Okay. Job description for United States Senator. Oh, that's the first time I've seen that kind of information on a candidate's page. I do solemnly swear that I will support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic. Yep. It's the oath, y'all. It's the oath. Okay. So, uh, yeah. This page was a little bit more bare than I was hoping it would be. But nevertheless, ladies and gentlemen, I've got even better stuff for you. I've got words from the man's mouth himself. And I wanted to play some of these videos for you guys. Because again, this gentleman took it to court, right? And uh, even though his lawsuit is still sitting in the federal courts in Utah, the identical sibling lawsuit is at the Supreme Court. But this man has a lot of insights. In fact, um, I was finding some of these videos. Oh, here's his website again, guys, just so you can see it. If you want to get a digital download and donate towards their cause, and you guys know I don't normally push anything monetary for myself or other people included, right? But sevendiscoveries.com, okay, and then uh, let's see here. Yeah, please donate by purchasing a digital download so you can have a copy of yourself. Or if you want the perfect bound paperback version of it, 30 bucks or whatever you can donate. So uh, that's his uh, website there. Uh, it says here, uh, challenging the immunity of Congress. That's another thing that they'll be doing. Challenging the immunity of Congress. In fact, I think uh, he talks about that in the interview we're going to play. Um, but before we get to the interview, I wanted you guys to check out some of these videos that he um, is part of or that he created. Um, and uh, I mean, this this tells you a lot about the kind of person he is and where he 
what he levitates towards, you know, where his honors lie. Anyways, uh, this first video I want to share with you guys from Loy Brunson is called Understanding a Constitutional Government. You know, so this might be a uh, this might be a class that uh, many Americans out there might need since they tend to believe most incorrectly that the United States of America is a democracy. Well, maybe the United States of America is a democracy, but these United States of America work within a constitutional republic and never forget that America. Because if we forget that, we've lost our nation, okay? And it's already hanging in the balance. It's already hanging in the balance. So uh, Loy Brunson of Utah, a plaintiff to the 2020 election cases. Who is he? Let's, uh, let's see uh, how this man thinks about constitutional governments and uh, how we should understand them, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, you want to talk about getting back to the basics. The people, we're the only remedy that uh, this nation has ever needed. We're the only remedy this nation has ever needed to fix our grievances. Uh, here is Understanding a Constitutional Government from Loy Brunson. Do you believe, understand, and live by the Constitution of the United States? If not, you should. This information is very important to all U.S. citizens. Allow us to explain some basic information about government. There are two main schools of thought. One is to have as little government control as possible, and the other is to have total government control over every aspect of human life. Then there are many positions in between those two schools of thought, which is where we find most Americans. Let's first consider total government control. The government makes decisions and laws and uses force or punishment for those who do not abide. This type of government is called totalitarian, and heads of this type of government are called kings, tyrants, emperors, dictators, and warlords. Before 1788, most all governments were of this type. There were some modified versions of totalitarian governments, such as in England, where they had a parliament that enabled some input from a group called lords and some rep representation for the common people. In reality, the king ruled with guidance from his advisors, and most of the people obeyed his laws. In 1788, seven years after the Revolutionary War, the Constitution of the United States was approved and accepted by the sovereign states and became the law of our country. Our Constitution was very different from any government in the world because it was based on having very little government. The federal government was then charged with the responsibility to protect the people's unalienable rights given from our Creator, along with 17 other specific tasks outlined in the Constitution. The people of the United States were not only free and well organized, they were also protected from their own government through the Constitution. By 1905, 117 years later, the United States had become the most prosperous nation in the world. What does this tell us? When people are free from totalitarian government, they're happier, personally successful, prosperous, and have a greater standard of living through advances in technology, science, medicine, and arts. The people's responsibility under our Constitution is to be law-abiding, 
to elect good, honest people with wisdom, intelligence, and experience in many diverse fields. People with a great appreciation and understanding of the principles used to formulate our United States Constitution. Imagine if all citizens understood the Constitution and would elect representatives who upheld the Constitution. Unfortunately, that's not how it is, but it can be. Here's a simple rule to follow. Any law passed which allows our government to do something that you as an individual don't have the right to do, that law is unconstitutional. The only rights you can delegate to your representatives are the unalienable rights you have, not the rights you don't have. You don't have the right to take possessions from one group of people and give them to another. That is stealing. It is wrong to knowingly seek to get your representatives to pass laws that are unconstitutional. That action promotes a totalitarian government. We're better than this, and we can do better. You can find out if your representatives are passing good or bad laws by going to libertasutah.org and clicking on Legislator Indexes. It lists all the laws passed by the U.S. Legislature for the last three years. It shows the name, the House bill number, nature of the law, who did or did not vote for the bill, and a constitutionality percentage score. Study the constitutionality score and you'll find that 52% of the people in Utah vote for totalitarian government. If Utah is off track, what does that say for the rest of the United States? You can make needed changes by voting for candidates that pledge to repeal unconstitutional laws at all levels of government. When we're able to get Utah back on the road to prosperity, we can help the rest of our country do the same. Will you help? Well, will you help America? Or are you just going to let this nation burn? JK, guys. So, yeah, uh, just, you know, brief but very insightful reminders. You know, I, uh, a lot, a lot. A lot of our brothers and sisters out there, and I'm not talking about the awake ones and the engaged ones, but a lot of our brothers and sisters out there don't even know that. And that's a damn shame. Here's another good one. Okay, so this one, uh, uh, vote. Okay, so this was when he was running for Senate. So I guess this is just, oh, this is from 10 years ago, guys. Wow. Uh, I'm sure the information is just timely, though, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, let's see what's going on here. Wait, is he the one I want? Let's see here. Senator Dorgan. Is oh yeah, it is. Okay, all right. So check this out, guys. It's just a little bit, a little bit more into the thought process of the man who put this uh, lawsuit together, and then uh, we'll hear an interview from them, and that'll wrap us up for tonight, guys. So I hope you uh, had a great time. I hope you um, found this information value added if not somewhat entertaining, although it should be more informational than entertaining. Okay, here we go. Senator Dorgan has spoke out on the secrecy of the Federal Reserve System. There is no entity in the world that controls our lives more than the Federal Reserve System. What the Federal Reserve Board does, nobody knows what they're doing. So the reason why I shared this video is because he talks about one of my favorite subjects, right? It's one that's slowly starting to creep up back onto the radar, uh, but has been one of the main heads of this Hydra 
for since our nation's inception, you know, probably since before our nation's inception, ladies and gentlemen, we're talking about the money changers, the bankers, the debt slavers, you know, the ones that the ones who have kept us as debt slaves this entire time, while we did not even know that we've been slaves this entire time, y'all. So I was like, ah, yes, let's share this with the fam. Let's share this with the, uh, with the community uh, so they can get a better, um, a better uh, perspective of Lloyd Brunson. I don't know why I feel like we're going to be hearing that name a lot, but who knows what the future holds, ladies and gentlemen. We have a privately owned central bank system disguised as a government owned system. There is no other agency of government which can overrule actions that we take. There is no other agency of government which can overrule actions that we take. Half a trillion dollars and you don't know who got the money? Uh, the loan went to the, the loans go to the central banks. Who actually made that decision to hand out a trillion dollars that way? Half a trillion dollars. Who made that decision? The Federal Open Market Committee. All right. Well, the Constitution says no money shall be drawn from the Treasury, but in consequence of appropriations made by law. This you money think is not drawn from the Treasury. Is it safe to say that nobody in 1913 contemplated that your small little group of people would decide to hand out half a trillion dollars to foreigners? This, this, uh, this particular authority has been used um, numerous times over the years. The authority that Mr. Bernanke is referring to is the Federal Reserve Act of 1913. Congressman Charles Lindbergh said the following. This act establishes the most gigantic trust on earth. When the president signs this bill, the invisible government by the monetary power will be legalized. The people may not know it immediately, but the day of reckoning is only a few years removed. The worst legislative crime of the ages is perpetrated by this banking bill. After signing the Federal Reserve Act of 1913, President Woodrow Wilson said, I have unwittingly ruined my country. I'd like to sing you a song, and if you know the words, please sing along with me. 16 trillion, and what do you get? Another day older and deeper in debt. Taxes and interest from shore to shore. The Federal Reserve owns the company store. <laughs> Thank you. It really is true, folks. If we don't understand that and we don't address that issue, all other issues become impossible to solve. We need help. And where are we going to get that help besides ourselves? This is a tough problem. Well, the Constitution contains the answers to all issues if we study the document. The Declaration of Independence gives us clues and answers as well. The signers of the Declaration, all of them, said that they could not have established this, the greatest country in 5,000 years, without the help of God, without the help of the, the divine hand of providence. And I say to my friends that don't believe in God, it's, ir it's irrelevant. Whether you believe in God or not does not change the truth, the fact that believing in him works. Now, how do we interpret the Constitution? Thank you. There are four references to God in the Declaration of Independence, and there are two references to God in the Constitution. 
So how do we interpret the Constitution? The Declaration of Independence tells us how to do that. We hold these truths to be self-evident that we have unalienable rights from our Creator. For four and a half months, the signers of the Const for four and a half months, the signers of the Constitution deliberated and debated and fought over every word within the document and its connected definitions. And they still all signed on to Article 7. Article 7 tells us who the God of the Declaration of Independence is and who the God of the Constitution is and who the God of this country is. Those two words are there in Article 7 telling us who it is. Our Lord. The Ninth Amendment is the voice of God, in my opinion, telling us how to interpret the document. The enumeration in the Constitution of certain rights shall not be construed to deny or disparage others retained by the people. No construing the document in favor of federal government at the expense of the unalienable rights of the people. That is the voice of God. Now what are we doing here today? Are we here to vote for our most favorite person to become a, a senator or a governor? or a congressman, are we, or are we here to support the defenders of the Constitution? We all have an obligation to defend our liberties. The Constitution is the most valuable tool, the most valuable weapon in defending our liberties. If we open up the document and we read the Ninth Amendment, then we can understand Amendment 5. Amendment 13, involuntary servitude is against the law in every state. Amendment 5, you can't have your property taken from you. We're not just talking real estate. And have it redistributed at your expense. We need, we need people in Washington reminding, of our, reminding our representatives that they have a contract. It is against the law to be liberal. It is called the oath of office. It is called the obligation, the implied oath to the Constitution of the United States. It is called thou shalt not steal. God bless you all. Thank you for all you do. That's pretty amazing, huh, folks? I mean, that's pretty cool. That's that. I would hire him for an inspirational speaker. Uh, I guess is kind of a cheesy way of saying that. I mean... Everything he said, guys, just kind of touches home. You know what I mean? And and then the insights and the, you know, it's the stuff that we know, stuff that we've forgotten, stuff that maybe we didn't know, you know, uh, points, perspectives, points of view, uh, maybe things that we hadn't thought about before, maybe things that we couldn't see before, maybe things we couldn't hear before, maybe things we couldn't understand before, you know, uh, whomever, whomever shall be elected in 2024 or whatever should happen before then, I guarantee every single person who has been along for this show is going to be looking at the next administration with wildly different eyes, and they're going to be hearing their words with wildly different ears. And they're probably going to be processing that information different from the way they might have processed it before. That is a process that we're going through. That's why I was saying, you know, like maybe with the writ of quo warranto on the voting system testing laboratories and the machines, maybe God said, no, the people need to see light needs to be shone, shown, shown, shined down. 
Light needs to be shined down upon the shadows of lawlessness and discrepancy and immorality and scrupulousness that uh, these um, bad actors have foisted upon the people. So I was like, this Lloyd Brunson guy, I, I kind of like him. <laughs> I kind of like him. But now, ladies and gentlemen, to uh, put the icing on the cake for tonight and to uh, further our understanding <clears throat> of uh, what this lawsuit looks like, we're going to hear about it from um, the man himself, uh, Lloyd Brunson. And uh, I found this um, interview uh, with uh, Lloyd Brunson speaking with John B. Wells. So you'll never hear a deeper voice on this uh, show, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Uh, but it's very interesting, guys. It's it's very. I mean, they they they. You know, Lloyd Brunson he explains all everything that happened in the steps and all the drama and, and all the tricks that the courts were trying to do and all the ways that they overcame those challenges. Because we're at a point now, guys, where we just don't point out what's wrong. We also come to the table with solutions, right? We should always be solution-based, guys. We don't just want to point out the quagmire, you know? We want to avoid it altogether. So, uh, you know, anyhow. So, uh, without further ado, uh, and as we close up tonight's show, we'll just uh, hang out for a little bit, listening um, and gaining more insights, I guess a deeper insight into this uh, election case. Because uh, there's a lot of things that uh, they will sum up here that I did not as we were going through that uh, writ of Terraria, or however it might be pronounced. Okay, guys, uh, here is the interview. Uh, Loy Brunson uh, with John B. Wells. I guess it's called Arc Lounge. I don't know. Anyways, the question, though, still remains, at least in my mind, will this lawsuit actually drain the swamp? I think it'll take a good layer of foam off the top. That's for dang sure. The thickest mildewist foam. All right, guys, enjoy. I repeat, knowing the U.S. attorneys would be able to get the courts to dismiss the following cases, Loy and his two brothers planned from the beginning to take all the cases they would file to the U.S. Supreme Court, where the final decision could be made by six constitutional Supreme Court justices. Well, my brother Raylan's Supreme Court case, my federal case, my state court case against two federal courts, Utah's federal court and the Tenth Circuit Court of Appeals. Wow, is that all? <laughs> Without further ado, let's talk to Loy Brunson right now. You are a man of action. Well, thank you, Mr. Wells. It's a pleasure to be on the show. Thanks for inviting me. It's nice to meet you. It's nice to meet you. What? Uh, boy, something got your attention. You went, okay, you had that forget this, I'm going in moment. So just uh, uh, tell yeah, us all think, about it. This is yeah. extraordinary. Well, I, I think I think a lot of us were frustrated with the 2020 election results and everything that happened up to that point. And uh, my brother, who had been a pro se litigant and gone to the Supreme Court actually a couple of times because he was upset with his subprime mortgage bundling, and he was affected by that in a negative way. 
so uh, he decided to sue some banks. And with that experience, he was able to have some success and actually was successfully docketed at the Supreme Court a couple of times. And so uh, he called me on the phone and, and says, hey, I, I want to file a lawsuit against everyone that, you know, that pushed back against the investigation, basically. So it's like he says, uh, would you consider being the plaintiff? And I says, sure, I'll be the plaintiff. And so he was pretty excited about that. And so off we went. And then uh, my brother, as this was progressing, my other brother, the three of us, another brother said, hey, I, I want to do one too. So he filed in a different court. And we thought if we have two cases going, the chances are one of them is going to make it to the Supreme Court before the other. So we were having two shots at this. And luckily for him doing that, uh, his case made it to the Supreme Court. Mine's still stuck in federal court. So it's a good thing he did that. His, his name is Roland. And his, is, uh, his case is at the Supreme Court right now. And the U.S. attorneys have until Wednesday to file an opposition. Once they file an opposition, it goes straight to conference from there where nine justices meet by themselves in a room and four, only four of them voting to it, for it to move forward. Four out of the nine. If five vote against it, four vote for it, it moves forward to the full-blown hearing. So that's kind of it in a nutshell. What are you? What do you? What's the objective, other than raising awareness, which is priceless? But um, well, this decision? is the most powerful. This is the most powerful Supreme Court case that the uh, that the Supreme Court has ever had. Let me let me kind of characterize it by telling you what happened. Uh, when my brother's case made it to the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals, they sat on it for three or four months. Now. We cannot go to the Supreme Court according to federal rules of civil procedure. We cannot move past that until the Tenth Circuit Court makes a decision. So we were thinking they're going to sit on this forever. So we had a little powwow and we started talking about what we could do. And we put some pressure on my legal ease brother who really, you know, who took the cases before to the Supreme Court and says, you got to find a way around this. And he called me and he says, hey, I've got it. I've got it. We found that there was a United States Supreme Court Rule 11 that we can file. So it would be a U.S. Uh, it would be a, a petition for writ of certiorari under this court's Rule 11 would be the official title. And we could keep our fingers crossed and keep the prayers going that the that the Supreme Court would accept it based on the premise that this is a national emergency level case. And so we sent it off. And five days later, my brother, the plaintiff on this case, received a phone call from the clerk of the court. Now, let me explain that the clerk of the, of the court is not a clerk of one of the justices. The clerk of the court was for 11 years, the, the United States Supreme Court attorney. And now he's the clerk. And so a case analyst from his office called him to let him know that they had agreed to accept this case as a national emergency case. And then they also requested that we put additional materials in it for them to make it a little easier. So we made it quite a bit thicker. Uh, so it would be better for them at conference. And so we were all ready to send it back to them under the Rule 11. And then like two or three days before we were ready to send it back, the 10th Circuit, we got a notice from the 10th Circuit Court of Appeals that they had made a decision. So we got together. We thought, what do we do now? Uh, we don't need the Rule 11. So my, we had my brother, Rollin, the plaintiff, call the court and he instructed and he said, look, we've received a notice from the 10th Circuit Court of Appeals that they have actually made a decision. And so what do we do? Should we take it out? And they says, yes, take it out. You don't need it now. Just take it out. You don't need it. This is just we won't have to worry about that part of it. And uh, make sure you put in what we have asked for. They wanted some pleadings that they had been that they had read from the docket. They wanted it included in the special perfect bound um, um, 
a perfect band petition that they that we were going to get them and so so he said okay so we we got it to them we mailed it overnight on a thursday they received it on friday they docketed it on the next the following monday and they filed it they sh- they docketed it as filed the day we received they the day we sent it which is the standard procedure so it was uh, it was received on the 24th and it shows that it was docketed on the 20th then they noticed that they put notice on the docket that the US attorneys have until the 23rd which is in 2 days from now to file an opposition once they file an opposition then they they take this to conference and we and they take a vote and if we have four justices vote to move this forward then it moves forward and then it goes into a full blown you know majority decisive uh, full blown uh, hearing with us with the justices so that's well what what result are we wanting from the hearing okay this this actually hands the supreme court the power to remove 385 members of congress and the sitting president Wow. Joseph Biden and the vice president, Kamala Harris. And Mike Pence is a defendant, so he won't be he wouldn't be removed from office. But they're also they have the power to bar them from holding any office, federal, state or local government within the United States for the rest of their lives. They have the power to do that with this case. Well, what are the charges? What are you alleging? We have six causes of action where it's treason. Uh, uh, there are several causes of action, but breaking the oath of office, what this is going to do is also strip their immunity. The sixth article of the Constitution requires that they all take, a, that they be bound by oath. Well, they've given themselves immunity with Title 28, U.S. Code Title 28, and so it's challenging that as well. So what did they do? They simply failed, failed to investigate uh, 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 evidence mountains of evidence that there were crimes and fraud uh, committed with the 2020 election. So our, this case is not about the results of the election. This is about 100 credible members of Congress that presented stacks of evidence uh, to to encourage the rest of Congress to vote for a 10-day investigation. The Constitution allows just two people, two witnesses, can, can they can two witnesses can convict uh, charges of treason in court. So here we have 100 members of Congress saying, "Hey, we need to have an investigation here." So what Mike Lee should have done, and others, Mike Pence included, they should have says, "Look, we need to move forward with this, but we cannot move forward until we satisfy both sides of the aisle, the winners and the losers. This we need to investigate to make sure that this is a sound and." fair and honest elections. So one of the causes of action is I was deprived my right to, to participate in a constitutionally sound and honest election. And I was deprived that right by 300 and, you know, over 380 members of Congress. Wow. All right. Let, let's say this thing. Well, wow, this is amazing. Legally, this, this can be done, but that would effectively mean quite a bit of turmoil there in the, uh, quite a bit of turmoil up there in D.C. I don't know how it could be done, but it can be done. It's the thing. And I, we've talked about different scenarios. Uh, we, 
with one of the, with the other case, my case, the federal court actually blocked it. And so we took them to the 10th circuit and they didn't help us. We took the two, we took the 10th circuit court of appeals and the federal court of Utah to state court. And after that all happened, we got a notice from the federal court that they had decided to let me file my case. Well, it was better than that. They had blocked me from filing it. And then we got a notice from the federal court that they had filed it for me and notified me that they had ordered the clerk of the federal court of Utah to issue the 388 summonses. So, and that was my case. And so within 24 hours, we had 388 summonses uh, signed and stamped by the clerk of the federal court. And we began uh, issuing those summonses through a special process with the U.S. mail. So what could happen is, uh, what I think could happen is a court order, uh, U.S. Marshal Service is was assigned in, in the earlier part of this case to actually serve summons and complaints. And uh, they served about 85 members of Congress the summons and complaint, including Nancy Pelosi, Maxine Waters, Adam Schiff, and quite a few others. And so I'm, I'm envisioning that the U.S. Marshal Service, with a court order, would go to the sergeant-in-arms and order the sergeant-in-arms to cancel the credentials of 385 members of Congress. And so if that happened during a break, when they start showing up, if they weren't notified, they would be swiping their credential cards or however they do it, and they would find that they weren't working, and then they would realize that they you know, that their credentials had been canceled as of a, a Supreme Court lawsuit and uh, order from a federal court. So the big problem is that nothing was done. All this, inform- all this information, all this data, all these allegations and suspicions and so forth were brought to the authorities within Congress and they did nothing. Exactly. A hundred Ted Cruz, Josh Hawley and about 98 others said, look, Here's all this evidence. If two people, if one person shows up at the police department, they're obligated to investigate. If two people show up, absolutely investigate accusations of crimes. When you have a hundred members of Congress testifying to the other members of Congress that there are crimes committed and that we should just simply launch a 10 day investigation to settle it one way or the other, that there are no crimes committed or that there are crimes committed and they refuse to do it. That that's a, that's bad. That's bad. That's that's a crime. And that's treason. And that's breaking the oath of office. And that's depriving all of us, regardless of our political persuasion, that violates our right to participate in a sound and constitutionally honest election. And so that's the gist of it. I wonder if we've reached that. Um, no, I'm, I'm just taking the dark side for a second here. I don't think that we have. But I wonder just how possible it is it's funny loy i uh, i won't waste a bunch of your time with this but but i was i was watching this um overseas crime drama it's a really good one but effectively what it's about is all the people on the inside of government and um the point is is that even though you know the swat guys may show up at six o'clock in the morning with cnn down the street only this time it's actually actual bad guys people have done things that are wrong it would still damage the government so badly because there's a file there on all of these politicians and people in business and banking and so forth. And it all, it all starts at the bank, which I think that's probably a universal law now. It all starts at the bank. Um, could, if it went exactly the way that, that you want it to go, what do you think the effect on the country would be? Well, is the swamp too big to drain? I think it, it, I, we're headed for a brick wall. 
we're headed for a, a, a pretty terrible time, I think. And so I think that it could be, I think it could be figured out. I think for every member of Congress, there's probably several that would love to take their place. And uh, this would be, we, we, need, we need this change. I think it would be sort of like a bloodless revolution. So I, I, think, it, I think it could have a very positive outcome. I'm thinking the same thing here. A lot of times we we um, we, are, we seem kind of predisposed. I mean, I can't speak for everybody you know in the country, but we seem predisposed to expect either nothing or a bad outcome. But that's not always the case. If we make this move, that is, um, we need to make a move. We know the wrongdoing has been committed. So let's go for it. But keeping in mind ladies and gentlemen just as a fun little caveat we could have done this with the accreditation and the certification for the machines of the voting system testing laboratories or should i say the lack thereof we could have done this exactly two years ago guys this right here two years ago i don't know who was keeping that out the gate but someone was wasn't me so many people not like you <laughs> and your brothers. I mean, this is really pretty amazing, but, but that's what it takes. One individual or two or three individuals. And they're taking and they're taking on this big monster. And I mean, this really could be the, the um, pulling your finger out of the dike and running for it because and just letting the dike just break, just crash, you know? Maybe that's what the I country needs. I, I I think there could be a lot of good from it. I, I we talked about whether to go public with this or not, and just, a, just not too long ago we decided, yeah, if people call and want to find out, know more about it. So it's there's a groundswell happening, and it's giving people hope. People are feeling the hope. Now let's talk about the justices. There are three justices that have voted in favor of Trump-related uh, electoral vote lawsuits. And uh, there are three that voted against it that should have. The three that voted against it are Trump appointees, Kavanaugh, Barrett, Gorsuch. They voted against it. And the three that voted for it were, you know, Thomas and Roberts and Alito. So that was before Roe versus Wade quite a while. So seeing what happened with Roe versus Wade, that they all stood up and really kept their oath of office to the their oath to the constitution we're thinking that uh, this not only is going to help america and the citizens supreme court that's being challenged you know there's threats of stacking the court there's threats against the justices the justices are not even protected at their homes they have to move from their homes and not stay there because of the threats we have people like Chuck Schumer threatening uh, Kavanaugh. We're coming after you, Kavanaugh. We're coming after you. And uh, all this horrible stuff. And who knows what's going on behind the scenes. So this is an opportunity for the Supreme Court to flex their muscles. The Supreme Court has no power unless they have a case in front of them. And unfortunately, there's never been a case like this. And fortunately, this case that is just so completely timed uh, you, you, the legal term ripe this is ripe for it to happen right now so we believe in god we believe in divine intervention we believe that a lot of miracles have happened to this point we feel like it's a miracle i'm talking to you right now about this and that people are sharing it on tiktok and instagram and telegram and youtube and facebook it's and uh, so i think it's going to create such a positive positive awareness that I think even a lot of 
people that were happy with the outcome of the election are going to uh, going to jump on board and say, yeah, let's 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 be honest about this. You shouldn't. Yeah. Shouldn't cheat and expect good results. This is fantastic. It really, really is. When you said, was the swamp too big to drain? No, not really. Uh, In theory, it's too big. It's too powerful. You can't possibly drain the so-called swamp. It doesn't even exist because we say so. But that's not true. Practically speaking, of course it can. You're doing an amazing thing here. So, I keep wondering... You must have known this was this was going to um, be intense and get wild, so to speak. But what was the what was the moment? What what was happening at the moment you decided? You know what? We're gonna, we're going we're going to go to the Supreme Court. We're we're just going to take this machine on. Well, and that's exactly what our position was at the get-go. It's like, we know it's going to be dismissed. We know the U.S. attorneys are going to come in and and they're going to file motions to dismiss, claiming sovereign immunity and jurisdictional points and whatnot. But we we just knew that if we could get it to the Supreme Court, we feel like there are enough good justices at the Supreme Court that they would honor the constitutional points we make and honor their oath of office and something really positive would happen. And then we think, well, could we become targets? Could, Could people... People come after us and we got thinking to hell with that being afraid we're, we're to the point now where we've got to stand up we've got to really just do what we know is right regardless of what the outcome is and so we feel like we've gotten the ball over the goal line the supreme court justices can now show their heroic decision in favor of of continuing with with getting rid of the corruption, by getting rid of the immunity, and uh, removing these people from office. It wouldn't take the states long to replace every single one of them. It wouldn't take long at all. And how many, there are a lot of people that would love to see us with a new president and a new vice president. They can see the, the horrible things going on because of these ridiculous decisions made by these puppets. So, um, so we're just, we're super positive about the outcome. We feel blessed. We feel like miracle. We, so many miracles have happened to get us to this point. It's just, uh, we're just excited to be alive and, and part of this. And, and like I said, excited, we got the ball over the goal line, but it, should they go to conference and, and decide that it, it wouldn't move forward, we'll file an opposition and we'll continue to work on the other federal case that's stuck by an Obama appointee, uh, Judge Shelby here in Utah. We're not, we're just going to go after it until it's, until we're dead or it's done. So the mechanisms are there. It's just people haven't used those mechanisms to do what you're doing. Well, and and the groundswell, I like to say if if people want to learn more about the case and figure out and and see ways that they can maybe help with a dollar donation or something, they can go to sevendiscoveries.com. It shows both cases and the case about the federal court. And it shows this kind of started quite a few years ago. I I've. I heard President Obama say that the Constitution is fundamentally flawed, and I had never really read the Constitution, so I started studying it, and I found things that that I thought, oh my gosh, everyone must know these, but 
I found that I was connecting dots that no one had ever connected before. So I have a, a special seven discoveries of the Constitution that have never been published before, and that book is available too at sevendiscoveries.com. And uh, as I was connecting these dots, and I understood what, a, what the Federal Reserve was, the, fun, the fundamental understanding of how it's a private corporation, and that when they create a trillion dollars out of thin air, that's profit, and it's supposed to be profit for the Treasury, not profit for central bankers and tax debt for us. So as I started getting into this and connecting dots, I realized and found that people just haven't, they've, we've been hoodwinked, we've been deceived. And so, uh, so that book is, is available as well on the internet, uh, on sevendiscoveries.com. And that was kind of the foundation of this. One of the discoveries is I found that there is a clause in the Constitution that demands the Constitution only be interpreted in ways that protect our God-given and alienable rights. The Congress... The first 10 amendments were defined by Congress as further declaratory and restrictive clauses to the seven articles. I don't like the term Bill of Rights. I think this is much more accurate and much more powerful. Further declaratory and restrictive clauses. So the last, the last line of the, the, the Ninth Amendment is what I felt like and is in my book as the interpretation clause. And it goes like this. The enumeration and the constitution of certain rights shall not be construed to deny or disparage others retained by the people. No misconstruing the constitution in support of the federal government at the expense of the people. Interesting. This is beyond interesting. We'll get into some more of the details. You're going to be with us for the rest of the program. So get ready for some um, some serious enlightenment, folks. The power really is in the hands of the people if they know that they have it. If they know that they can do these things. We'll be back. Oh, will we be back? John B. Wells, will we? Uh, that that first half of the interview was riveting, wasn't it, ladies and gentlemen? It was riveting. So, uh, well, ple uh, pleased to be able to share this information with you guys. Do I think that this is the golden lawsuit? No, I don't. Uh, but that does not mean that this is not important and that it should have some merit of, um, you know, uh, sharing or uh, interest. You know, uh, we got to see where this goes. I mean, you never know. This could be one of those left fielders that just comes out of nowhere and it just flips the earth on its axis, right? You know, all of a sudden, whoop, we're upside down. You know, all of a sudden, Upside down is right side up again, and uh, backwards is forwards again, right? And we get our nation back, and we restore our republic, and we uh, we honor the rule of law, and we get rid of all the bad guys. Okay, maybe that's too utopian. <laughs> but anyways, guys, anyways, guys, it's definitely food for thought, okay? Um, I, I when, you know, especially like on uh, these types of scenarios, I really, really appreciate the passion that you hear in the voices of those who are really fighting to restore this republic. You know, that's why I said, if you got butt hurt after Tuesday, November 8th, you were probably doing nothing anyways. You were probably just a spectator and you're just going to spectate with negative energy now because that's what the Mockingbird media wants you to do. They want you to uh, demoralize your own base by turning on them with negative emotions, you know, with, uh, it's like I say, guys, I've never known a winner who has a loser's attitude. So knock it off y'all. If you're serious about restoring this Republic. Okay. And, uh, my beautiful audience, you guys know, I'm not talking to you. Okay. I always assume that y'all know that when I start going on chastising rants and rails that I'm not talking to my audience, I'm talking to 
I'm talking to the phantoms that stalk this realm of lawlessness and uh, disobedience to, uh, you know, the good things that make us human. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to close it there. If you want to catch the rest of that interview, um, let me see. I found this on Rumble. Oh, yeah, John B. Wells. If you want to catch um, link in the chat room for anyone who wants to uh, garner that over at Foxhole and Pild. And Rumble, well, all my friends over at Rumble, I mean, uh, the John B. Wells live page is where that is found. I don't have a, a Rumble page pulled up. I don't. I need to get another monitor eventually, but that uh, is not a huge concern of mine. My concern is being able to uh, be here with you guys. Moments like these. Um, let's see here. Let me jump into that foxhole so I can give you guys the link. And then I'm I'm assuming or I'm guessing uh, two rivers that you did not require the link for uh, the quo warranto information. You pulled it up right at Cornell or something like that. Good job, sir. Way to follow through. <laughs> uh, let's see here. What else do I got in the comments before we dip out? Thanks again for hanging out for tonight's episode of the Sea Report. Let me get ourselves nice and pretty here. There we go. We're starting to look like we're coming together. And uh, what do we got here? What do we got here? A lot of sentiments I would definitely say I agree with. Ladies and gentlemen, giggity, says uh, Skeeterberg. I definitely agree with that sentiment. Uh, very exciting, says Disco Ball Chaser. This is definitely going to show us who in the judiciary system is corrupt. And that's where our, well, that's where one of our focuses should be. I mean, we, we need a team of people on the judicial, a team of people on the legislative, a team of people on the executive. We already know the executive's screwed, right? On the local levels, like, you know, uh, get an assignment and stick to it, right? <laughs> but yes, most definitely, most definitely. Uh, all, this entire process, I think, with this new set of eyes that we have and this new set of ears that we have, We've been able to really not just see, not just understand, but really, really internalize the amount of lawlessness and corruption that exists within our own governmental systems. The problem is we have a lot of Americans who do not vote says Disco Ball Chaser, and thus not enough importance to take these lawsuits serious. I, you know, are we are we in sync or something? I was just writing something about that. You know, actually, I think it was on, I think I did it on Truth Social. I went on this kind of like, what was it? I was, I was, I went on this commenting rate. I was like commenting on all these comments. And I think I, I'd written something just almost exactly like that. And that was to the fact that, you know, when we don't show up to vote, or maybe I just said, no, maybe I said this on another episode. When we don't show up to vote, uh, that's a pretty good impression upon the candidates and the election workers that they have an apathetic and an unengaged uh, um, constituency, uh, citizens, uh, people, voters, and they don't care. And when they get the idea that you don't care, then do they have to care whether or not uh, they're screwing you over or, you know, because they know you're not paying attention. So please don't tell me I'm going to wait for the big, 
you know, elections to vote. I'll let you guys take care of it till then because we needed you guys during the primaries, okay? And, and some of your own backyards need you now when you have communist and Marxist city councils and mayors running your own city. But no, 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 we'll wait for the two big elections. I don't want to hear it. Thank you for pointing that out, Disco Ball. It's a true, it's a true statement. Uh, you want to talk about traitors. Okay, so uh, let's see here. Love, love, love the stickers. Whether or not it goes anywhere. Yep. You you know, you sound exactly like me, Disco Ball Chaser. Who do you listen to regularly? <laughs> Disco Ball says, whether or not it goes anywhere, it's documented, right? I've been singing that since I got on the air. Once a lawsuit is filed in its case law. Yep, yep, yep. It's true. That's why. Even though people are like lawfare and and the long game and the passage of time and this is never going to work, you know, it's the only it's the only documentation that the establishment and the media cannot ignore or deny. Now maybe they could ignore it for a little bit, but it, once it's case law, you know, the precedence is set, the evidence is submitted, and that's why they do not like discovery. They do not like discovery so yep all of these good things coming in here all of these good things coming in here firm foundation has to be built that's why we start with our backyard that's why aurelius Locke said if you started with your backyard you probably saw the red wave well i totally bastardized what he said but it was something along those lines okay guys do you know what that means when i start misquoting my own audience that means it's time to get off the air <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, it's been a wonderful evening. Thank you for hanging out today uh, for this episode. Uh, I'll be back tomorrow, Thursday, right? Yeah, it's Thursday. The TV screen says Wednesday. Uh, C the C Report, I'll be live at 7.30 p.m. Central. Should be live on all channels. And uh, once again, to all the new subscribers and followers at whatever platform you happen to prefer and you're catching this broadcast, thank you for being a part of the audience. Thank you for giving... Uh, given this show a chance, uh, you know, I do, um, I do broadcasts probably about six days a week, uh, three different shows at the moment. And we're even busier here at Mr. CTV when there are, um, hearings, committee hearings, uh, proceedings and rallies to cover. So, uh, with that said, guys, I think I've said enough, uh, and we'll see you guys again tomorrow. Uh, um, as always. I am your host, Mr. C, and uh, I'm signing out now. Please, my dear friends, be safe and be blessed, and God bless America. We'll see you guys tomorrow. Take care until then. Bye-bye. Is it working? <laughs>
Next stop, beep, beep, communism. Kind of like Kintanji Brown Jackson over there at the Supreme Court doing her bit with the uh, the pedophiles and the uh, child pornographers. Uh, oh no, 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 rest assured you did not step in to a Mandela effect. It's time for season two of the January 6th Unselect Committee. Whoop-dee-doo, right? <laughs> My mind is not what it used to be, ladies and gentlemen. Wait until, do you want to be part of that tsunami? Okay, because if you vote early, you're not part of the tsunami. I'm just saying, encountering illegal aliens in the wild, does that sound too racist for anyone? Thank goodness for the internet, where we're not printing paper. Ah, just kidding. You know, I'm not that kind of uh, tree hugger. It was a total shim sham flim flam. It was almost as if Katie Hobbs was running the nation's elections and just making a terror out of it. Check out the political truth apparel line. Covefe. Rhino hunting season. Secretary of snakes. And more to come. Fun, fashionable, edgy, cational. Go to Mr. C Online Store at www.thecreport.com. Click on the top right menu. Use coupon code 1776REBORN at checkout.